0: What's up ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the raw and unscripted show with yours truly Christopher Rausch, the place where I help you overcome yourself created crap without the self help fluffy bullshit. And today is a special episode. So I'm just going to get right into it because this is a previously recorded episode, but please know this is live right now. And tonight on the comment section, myself, Tanner and Brandon will all be live here answering your questions and engaging your comments. So I truly hope that you enjoy this episode of the Raw and Unscripted Show. Um, it's truly one of my most um accomplished interviews, conversations in my broadcasting career. And I'm really, really proud of it. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, without any further ado, thank you guys all for being here too. And um have tissues and uh, be prepared. All right.
1: Guest. I love you guys. Welcome Let's back to later. the Wave Media Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to episode 32. Today we talked to, uh, Chris Roush, Chris Roush and Tanner Cipriano. We go on the Chris Roush, Ron unscripted podcast, take Tanner with us to talk about some, some ways that you can battle mental, mental adversity, some coping strategies, some, uh, success stories, some tragic stories. Um, but it's really, really helpful episode. I think to a lot of people who might be going through something mentally, family member dying, uh, depression. Just take a listen, hear Brandon, Tanner, and Chris tell their stories and talk to each other. I think you're really going to get a lot from it. Let's start this episode right now.
0: I've organized my useless life in a way. Hey, everybody welcome back before. to another episode of Raw and Unscripted with yours truly Christopher Roush the place where i help you overcome your self created crap without the self help fluffy bullshit. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls is this going to be a show to remember. This is going to be a show like unlike anything i've ever done before. Quite honestly, we're going to be delving into some very serious topics and more unlike my usual shows where i'm kind of laughing and joking around everything. Um, this one you might find me being a little bit more serious because of the nature of the topics we're going to be talking about. And you know, it's, it's, it's at a time right now in our world where people are suffering, people are struggling and people are, you know, wondering what the new normal is. They're wondering what's going to happen next. They're dealing with loss. They're dealing with pain. They're dealing with identity crisis. And we're going to be talking a lot about those subjects here today in a very, um, Vulnerable and open format. That's what I bring to you guys with the raw and unscripted show is the fact that this is raw. This is real. This is not scripted. This is totally um, three guys going to be talking about the seriousness of life and how abruptly things can change and how you process those things and how you rise above to use that pain as leverage to grow stronger and to make a deeper impact in the world based on that pain. You guys followed me for a while. You guys know that I believe in taking your pain and turning it into your treasure and figure out how to process something that's catastrophic in your life to provide that leverage and that, and that impact that you can pay it forward somehow with your pain that you can help other people. That's what this show is about today. I'm not going to let you know exactly what the topic is at this moment, because I just want to bring my guests on. We're just going to start chit chatting and sharing our souls with you today. Um, in a very impactful way. So I'm pleased to bring on to the Ron Unscripted Show, Mr. Oh, Tanner and Mr. Brandon. Good evening, good afternoon, and good morning, gentlemen. How are you?
2: Fabulous. I'm doing great. I'm doing wonderful. Excited. Very excited. Talk about fun stuff.
1: Yeah, breathing in <laughs> and blessed, baby. Let's go.
2: Yes. Well, um, I'm also nervous. We all... I'll say that too. You You gave us really high expectations. Now I feel like, what am I going to say that's even going to meet these expectations? So, I,
0: I don't know right. if we can live up to it, but we'll try. So, okay. I'm, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm fairly confident. I'm fairly confident. and I just want to start off the show again by just thanking you guys for again, being who you are, um, sharing your souls. You've already done it on your particular podcast from the wave media podcast group. Um, it's, I won't give away the title because that'll give away what we're about to talk about. But um, I just want to ask the question right now, just to kind of kick things off and understand uh, I've been doing this a lot of my interviews is how has this, Particular situation in our life with the pandemic. How has this impacted you individually, and impacted your families? And if any perspective shifts you had during this time about your life,
3: Randy, you start.
1: For me, it's just put the focus back on family, right? And I guess for me, being engaged and having a dog at home and just trying to figure things out. Well, what's
2: the dog's name?
1: Maggie. Maggie. Full name. Full name Magnum. Magnus. MG. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. 357. That's her given name. Yeah. She's a bird dog, Labrador.
2: She's nice. awesome.
1: I love her. She's great.
0: She's very nice. Oh, she's beautiful.
1: Well, yeah, for me, it's just put an emphasis back on family. You realize that there's so much you can't control. So like when you go back to the high school football days, control the controllable, right? Yep. And that lesson yep. carry, that holds true in real life. I all I can impact is like the relationships that I have around here. And, you know, I can only create business opportunities like, you know, the ones that I, the ones that I work hard to, you know, try to make happen, like those are going to be the the relationships that I got to hold on to. Those are the people that we got to take care of during this time. We work with a lot of small businesses here. So like our priority right now is just taking care of our clients and, you know, making sure that we do good work for them. And, uh, you know, that's been my focus, community oriented, finding ways to engage with people when. you know, engagement is unconventional, and it's often, you know, through remote discussions, so that's kind of where my head's at, but it hasn't really changed my perspective. I always knew that people inherently are, you know, it's tribalism at its finest right now, and that, like, that's just, you know, that wasn't anything we didn't already know. I don't think it's just magnified due to the circumstances, but uh, like I said, I can't control that, so love yourself and be good to the people around you. And you know that's obviously something that we, I, you know, you got to work on. Hard work works mm-hmm. in that regard. But uh, that's been my focus. What about you, Tanner? Uh,
2: I'll tell you, it hasn't really changed anything for my life. My life is going pretty normal, pretty easy, pretty straightforward. Um, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, no. My life kind I'm of. Like, uh, yeah, Sarcasm, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Long story short, um, we will get into it later. But like, actually, to be honest, last few months, uh, really since this past fall my whole life is kind of like upturned and like falling apart in the way that the old version of my life has kind of fallen apart and I've rebuilt out of it. And it's, and this, um, and this whole season quarantine season has only amplified that, but, and there's good parts of it and bad parts. I'd say, uh, to be honest, I'm at a point where it's a very good thing. Like, unfortunately, a lot of people are being hurt right now and that's a really shitty thing. And, and I, and I want to help everybody. I want, I know everybody else wants to help everybody that we can, but, me for me personally this whole everything going on right now has given me a chance to just take a break from every all of my everything all my problems and everything I've had to I've put off dealing with and it's forced me to deal with everything and and as best of a way as I can and as healthy as I can and I'll say that like it's these days it's ups it's downs it's all around all arounds, but like I feel in a much better place than I have in in a long time and it's uh I feel much more present. I think that's what's kind of forced me is it's I've learned how to be more present than I have in a long time. And I can't worry about the past and I can't worry about the future because right now, frankly, there is no future. We don't know what the future looks like and the past is the past. So there's no reason to worry about that. And so I've just been, forcing myself to be more present. And that's difficult right now.
1: What does that look like to you? What does being mm. more present look like to you
2: lately? It's been meditating in my underwear every morning. So no. it just helped me a lot. And uh, my sister just walked in on me meditating today in my underwear and uh, asked if I was busy. I yelled at her, get out of the room. I'm meditating because <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do when you meditate. Um, but no, and presence, I will say that it's it's a constant battle between the anxieties of like, what is, what's happening with my life right now? Because as I said, like, every, I, don't, I don't know what the future holds for me. Like, I've left a lot of things behind lately in the last few months. And I'm very scared. I'm very nervous about what's, in, uh, what's ahead of me. And there's anxiety in that. And there's also anxiety in just relationships day to day and anxiety in my family, taking, helping out with my family, taking care of them. So it's been forcing myself to kind of just, like, sit still, take deep breaths, and just enjoy moment to moment. And I think that's where I've been. I think just being present.
0: Right. So wow so. gentlemen i have to say and I, I know that i've been on your podcast before brandon and you know we've gotten to know each other uh through the family but uh, what you both just shared i mean just for the viewers you guys at home just just the the intro to the show just listen to those answers because um if you guys watch my show at all that's exactly what i've been talking about it says what can you control i mean people are t- talking about what the new normal is i'm like there was never a normal in your life necessarily. It was just the things you thought you could control. But the fact that, you know, when you realize when you give up that expectation, like, okay, everything has to be certain and figured out and in this template so that I don't have fear, I don't have anxiety or scarcity. What you just said, Tanner, is is, is really cool because it's it's about being alive. It's about, you know, people were, I was talking I was coaching somebody yesterday and they were talking about fear. And I said, okay, I said, have you ever been on a roller coaster before? And they said, Yeah. And I said, Well, think about that. You're standing in line to go do something that is scary, that's going to push your adrenaline, that's going to push you out of your comfort zone, and you're excited about it. So when you think about the fear of something that's going on in life, you're afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow. How about being excited about what's going to happen tomorrow as it unfolds? And that's something that I personally struggle with most of my life. I mean, I have struggled with that because I was a control freak. I was a survivor. You know, my coach told me last year, she goes, shit, mate, you have to get out of the fucking survivor mode. I'm like, I'm not in survivor mode. My life is really good. She goes, no, you are constantly trying to figure out what plan A, B, and C is. You're trying to control the outcome, predict the outcome with the best certainty because you don't want to fail. You don't want to go back to the situation that you had, you know, when I was homeless. And I, it took me a while to accept that and like go, wow, you know, that's really true. I'm always constantly trying to survive. So the nuggets you guys already shared about being in the moments and focusing on family, that is so beautiful. And I, 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 my heart breaks when I heard a story yesterday, my buddy was telling me that his wife is a teacher down in Australia and just talking about some of these kids that they're, they're coming in contact with because their home life is so terrible. And I'm just like, you know, wow, just, you know, you should be focusing on that and growing that. And, and I love what you said Tanner is about, okay, I'm turning that pain into, into, into something else. And I'm turning it into a curiosity. I'm turning it into an excitement. Um, when, when you think back on your life, um, What what other moments in in your past, aside from what we're going to talk about, what other moments in your life have you been scared of where that you changed and you shift and you turned that into energy, whether it was with football or sports or high school or girls or what was some other situation in your life where you look back at it and perhaps maybe you could have done something differently or you did something that you wanted to do? Tell them sideline captain. Oh, you were smiling. You start, you start.
1: Sideline Captain. No, I was smiling because like he was talking about football and I was thinking about you were a captain senior year yeah i
2: was captain self-proclaimed that's the way to do it you want to be captain just start telling people you're captain and eventually they'll have to give you it uh, the the title
1: some of us got voted in too
2: and some of us just walked into it yeah that's the way it is but (laughs) brands you start you start talk about some football stuff or do you want me to start with sideline captain i'd like you to start okay well so we're talking about sideline captain and points okay um sports Uh, I'm not good at sports. I'm really bad at all sports, most sports, all sports. And uh, so my whole life, that's been my, uh, what I've had to live with. Uh, God gave me a lot of good things, did not give me athleticism. And uh, so it's constantly like living a life, trying to be, trying to play sports uh, because I enjoy being with a team and everything. It's constantly like, okay, how do I like bring an attitude where I'm like, enjoy doing this with people? Because I know I'm enjoying being with the people, but I don't necessarily enjoy actually playing the sport. And so it got to a point, senior year of football, four years of football with, with Brandon, uh, of not being good at football, four years. Uh, and it was senior year, it was our last year, and I kind of just, me and our friend, Peter Aiello, shout out Petey, um, he, uh, we just at the beginning, every, so every week we would have these, uh, these events called Unity. There's Brandon right
3: there, what's he doing? And uh, should I keep talking?
0: No, and y'all, I I, I just, I, I just, I just changed the screen. Just come on, man. Unprofessional. This is what I'm talking about. This would never happen. This would never happen
2: in Chris's studio. It's not happening in my studio. Not happening. He starts walking over here like,
0: geez Louise. (laughs) That's what we're working with. Okay. as, as, as I can actually do this.
2: Yeah, yeah. Hold it
0: on, Brandon. Yeah, Let's just stare and watch it. I him. don't like
2: that. And you guys are smiling. He's not.
0: He's like Where looking pouty on? over here. Like, what? come on, enjoy yourself. <laughs> oh my, we're having fun. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry about Tough yelling cry. too. Top. Well, no worries. No worries. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna get the nuggets of the show pretty quick, so people are better fasten your seatbelt. Get ready. Time. Get ready. I'm <laughs> throwing a lot at them. We're gonna throw a lot I'd at, like them. at them.
2: Because so I, I kind of need the story. I suck at football. That's the long story short. And senior year, I just got tired of sucking at football, and I said, I start tired of watching Brandon every so every before every game the night before we would have these these practices unity dinners where we'd all meet have dinner and like kind of just like get the whole team together get excited rah-rah for the the next next day and uh and before the dinner we would also meet as a team in our locker room and the captains would go and kind of give up like the rah-rah speeches like we're getting ready for the game tomorrow and they'd always be talking to just like the people that actually play like which is right because those are the people that are actually going to be doing anything during the games. But me and Petey just got tired of it. We, we both said, like, we're tired of Brandon talking. We don't need to hear Garrett talk anymore. We don't need to see David Hule do whatever David Hule does. Is that how it happened? Yeah, me and Petey had our little meeting. And, we're talking uh, about people
1: that can't defend themselves yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, good.
2: I'm calling you all out right now, all captives. Anthony, <laughs> let's go. Me and you, Darko, we're going to – no, he's, he would beat me up. No, Darko, I love you. Um, and uh, so me, Peter – just decided like, you know what? The rest of us need some, need some inspiration too. So fuck it. We're, we're new captains now. We're sideline captains. And we took it upon ourselves to make sure that everybody who doesn't play every game, who also sucks at football or just is not as good as everybody else not, and doesn't suck as much as us, who's standing on the sideline every game, they got to be as much a part of this game as everybody else is. And we've got to make sure they're invested in this. And because at the end of the day, the team is the team. It's not just the people that are on the field. It's not just the people that are playing and scoring those touchdowns. It's also the people that are just having the energy, the morale on the sideline, supporting those guys to keep doing what they got to do. And so me and Pete just took upon ourselves to start like we're sideline captains now, because we need somebody to stand on the sideline and pump all these people up because, if anything, these are the more important people. We don't care about the people playing the game. We need the people behind us on this line. They're the ones who are going to hold down, hold the line when it really matters and get, get everybody up. And Brandon's looking at me right now. like, no, I just, just want to ask
1: you, like, I, I'm so curious how, and, and it kind of goes back to his original question. Like, how did that shape?
2: Uh,
3: how, how did the shape? Sp-
1: like, there's so many things you've went through, but I've never asked you like well, ex- explicitly how being a sideline captain has shaped you as a man today
2: as a man today sorry chris silent this calendar. one's for me yeah no, no this I, is I, good I, I, was, I was getting there yep i was not ready to talk about silent academy so this is good throwing me for a loop breaking down i'd say it was realizing that it was just realizing that it's not all about the people that we see playing on the field it's also about the people on the side it's about the support the people supporting the the people on the field and i think that's in life is like it doesn't matter if you're the one that's like that everybody sees doing the good. It's it more what matters more is if you're just helping the people on the sideline right now. There's a lot of people unspoken for unsung for, and those people need even more help than the people we do see in the news. And if anything, you've got to be the sideline captain in your own life. You're not, you might not be getting the, the, the awards. You might not be getting the, the playtime on the TV. You might not get, nobody might even, nobody, nobody will, no, 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 nobody will know your name but you'll know your name and the people you help will know your name because you're a sideline captain in life and you're helping the people that need the help on the sideline. Is that making sense? Am I making sense right now?
1: Yeah. You were an I'm unsung a, hero.
2: I'm an unsung yeah. hero. I'm, I, and it's, no, I'm not the unsung <laughs> hero. I'm, I'm standing up for the unsung heroes because the unsung heroes need more help than the heroes right now,
0: because there's a lot yeah. of
2: people being forgotten and left behind. And I think sideline captain, it was me realizing that it didn't matter if I was voted to be a captain or if, if, Other people chose you to be a leader. Sometimes you just take it upon yourself to lead the people and to lead them in in a good way. And that's what sideline captain was for me. It was standing up when I knew that I had something to say and I wanted to help those people. Because otherwise, all those people, including me, would just be standing on sideline being like, fuck, we got two hours of this thing, watching Brandon do his thing. And like, that's boring. I don't like watching football. Spoiler alert. (laughs) But yeah, that's that's how sideline captain made me the man who I am to be today.
0: Dude, that's awesome. I, I love the fact that you just took responsibility and took ownership and said, how can I take a shitty situation and make it fun? That's, I mean, if people, again, just draw that out of the show and just say, okay, wow, if I take responsibility of being this sucks, then how can I make this being better? I mean, you took ownership for that. And I'm sure that's actually played out in, in, in the rest of your life, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, I suck at a lot of things, but you know what?
2: I do my best, so that's what we can do. I also feel like Brandon's laughing right now as if he just threw this out not thinking I was going to take it seriously, and then I did, and then <laughs> I, I don't know where are you at Brandon? I'm laughing
1: because I think, like, Chris is saying that, like, wow, it's amazing how you turned, like, the disappointment of not being a starter into a positive experience. You, like, maximized your, like, value for the team by finding new ways to be a leader, not just on the field. And like I think you were perfectly content with your role. Yeah. Like, I was it wasn't that. like it wasn't mm-hmm. like, darn it, I guess I'll do this. It was just like this is me.
0: But I think <laughs> did the body didn't you bust every part of your body like in, in every preseason or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Tanner you got broken a lot.
2: We he got broken a
1: yeah, lot. Yeah, well, I
0: did for three, three years. And I see <laughs> I just let the little kids go off. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, three years I I tore an ACL, I got a large spleen, I got a contusion, I broke my toe, I broke every bone in my body dude was always in crutches and this was me without even playing a game i'd never I played know. a game so
1: i should not have been hurt <laughs> at all just
2: practice. <laughs> yeah but it was fun
1: no, yeah.
0: We are all healed up now what about you mr malinowski how do you answer that question
1: how like what are some experiences that have shaped me over the years is
0: yeah, that or, what the question what is about, generally you know, what, what it was what has been an experience besides the ones we're going to talk about that you look back on your life and you think wow that was a that was a time in my life where i made a decision that caused me to be a better person or caused me to grow from a situation that I wasn't happy with?
3: Oh, I mean, I
1: think I want to talk about one. I want to give credit to my parents. Um, I was, you know, very fortunate. We were kind of the, I mean, you know, they made decent money, but for lack of a better term, we were kind of the poor people in the rich neighborhood. I, I mean, we were just always like saving and trying to be very frugal and wise with money. That's what I learned from my parents. Right. Um, but uh, I think that, you know, the as far as one of the experiences that has shaped me the most, it was the decision to take me and put me in Catholic Central High School um, rather than going to public school. I wanted to go there to be a good football player, but my parents wanted me to go there to be
3: a better man. And we've talked about it before. Um, I'm a big believer in environment, right?
1: And I think that was the perfect environment for somebody like me that was, you know, my dad that would person. describe me as like, uh, everyone's wearing a blue hat and you're just that asshole with the red hat. He wouldn't call me an asshole. I'm paraphrasing. He would just be like, don't be the red hat, buddy. And I was always like the red I, hat. So like,
0: be the red hat. Hell yeah.
1: So that Catholic school education with, you know, you know, administration of like tough people, like wise people, people that and like teachers and coaches that just like knew how to handle someone like me Make that just shit. needed some. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, that, that as far as like, I know that's a four year answer. Cause I was there for four years, but, um, that experience has shaped me the most. I would be a shell of a man of the man that I am today. If I didn't have that experience. And my parents made a lot of sacrifices for that to happen. Driving old cars, wearing the same suits for, you know, 15 years. Like they saved and uh, mm-hmm. they sacrificed for me. And there was other people that helped along the way too. And uh, I'm extremely thankful for that.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you, I awesome. remember Brandon freshman year. Like I remember all of it, me and Ken, everybody taking bets on like how soon he was going to ex- get expelled. From Did you think CCA. I was going to be like one of those yeah, guys that transferred kid. out? You know what? He was a, he was a Did you actually maker. think that or are you just making a hey, conversation? Hey, hey. No, 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 no. I'm making conversation and everyone's just the like, just no, no future here. No future anywhere, if anything. Are you and serious? Look at him now. He's a he's producing podcasts. I, I didn't, didn't know you him. thought.
1: I didn't know you thought. I didn't even know me. you, freshman. Okay. I didn't care about you. All right, because I was gonna yourself. say like, no.
2: but it is looking at where you are today. I've, I've I've seen a lot of growth in you, and I'm very proud of you. Yeah, I'm very proud of the man.
1: Shit keeps on happening, and it's just it's it's forcing growth out of all of us. It's crazy,
2: and shit's gonna keep happening. That's just life. I don't man. even
1: like ask why anymore when like mm. bad things happen. I'm like, all right, let's do it let's get through it
2: another bad thing it's like when's the next bad thing gonna happen because like right now i'm just hanging out and things are going to go too well so.
1: yeah but like i'm still excited about all the good things and i don't. i do realize that there's way more good than bad right yeah
2: yeah but there's mm. a mix of good and bad and like at some point there what is the definition of good what's the definition of bad like can you take a bad thing and make it a good thing can you make it can you take a good thing and like too much of a good thing is a bad thing so what's the yep. definition of
1: it's, it's all relative enough. and it's relativity is relative
2: relativity relatively like, i've got lots of relatives so like we can get into that too
1: <laughs> all right chris um, take control of your show
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry yeah. we're <laughs> going off the rails is this what everyone signed up for i haven't yeah.
1: seen him in a while so he's like oh, yeah, literally yeah. just came here I mean, and we're i'm, doing I'm it.
2: almost done with a cold
0: brew nice all right
3: um, chris, chris drive, drive, baby. Baby.
0: so ultimately it's about perspective right it's about you just said it Tanner. It's about looking at situations that's not good or bad. I was talking to somebody the other day, like, I've been through so many horrible experiences in my life. And I said, let me ask you a question. I said, what have you learned from each one of them? And she was like, oh, this and like this and like this. And I said, okay, so if you sit there and consider that life is happening for you and not to you, and you look at it, like we said before about that that sense of wonderment and, and excitement and and embracing the uncertainty of life, because, you know, as we know, things happen, things changed immediately. I can remember a date in my life, May 10th, 1982. Specifically, I remember leaving the house that I grew up in and going into a station wagon to live with 18 cats and two dogs. I remember that day. I, every year it comes up, I'm like, oh, it's been, I get chills. It's been 28 years since this happened. But look at the journey I've been on. And when I went back to that junior high school that I dropped out of and spoke to those seventh and eighth grade kids, in my full circle journey, it was so amazing when I walked in that gymnasium because I was like, wow, I have been homeless. I have tried to commit suicide. I've had all these different things happen to me. And now I'm coming back to teach these kids about life. And it just came full circle and it gave deep meaning on that. I'm going to ask you guys both a, a separate question. But I'm going to start with Tanner. What, what, what specific day in your life really changed everything for you? Um. Well, I was born on March 28th,
2: 1995, so that was a big change, going from the warm, comfy womb and then, like, cold, hard world. Um, but And then any other dates? The big one is April 16th, 2012. Um, do we want to get into that right now or are you planning that later or is, that gonna, is, this, is this the best time? Yep, yep, let's go right into April 16th, 2012. Take it back. Run it back. Um, yeah, so uh, that's when everything changed for me. Um, it was – so my family – uh, God bless my family. There's there's six members. Um, it's me. Uh, there's my twin brother, Salvatore. I call him Tori. He wants everybody else to call him Sal. Uh, there's my little sister, Isabella. Uh, there is my dad, Bobby, Robert, Robbie, Bubba, whatever you want to call him. My mom, Rose and my brother, older brother, Tucker. And, uh, so there's six of us in the house and on April or six of us growing up April 16th, 2012, uh, I woke up to the sounds of a break-in uh, in her house and and i found out that um over the course of a morning uh my dad was killed in this break-in and my my twin brother sal tory uh was and my mom rose were both put into coma critically injured in icu and uh me and my sister were unharmed luckily we ended up living with my aunt and uncle shadow uncle dennis aunt sandy uh and then to top it all off is my the one who committed the, the, uh, the act was my brother Tucker and his, a friend of his, Mitchell. Uh, and they were on drugs during it and they came in for money. And that kind of was, yeah, that's the date that everything changed for me. And it was kind of like, I was 17, me and my twin were 17, 16 or 17, I believe it was 17, uh, junior high school. And that's when pretty quickly in the matter of, yeah, an hour, 15 minutes, less, I realized like, oh, my life is never going to be the same. But in that moment, I realized like pretty quickly also is this is going to be the event that, that this will be a defining event of my life, a defining moment of my life. But I can never let this define my life. And I think ever since then, it's been eight years now, ever since then, it's been a constant struggle to like, I know that that's a part of me. That's one of the biggest parts of me, but that's not the only part of me. And I've been trying like, finding all these other parts of me so that I can keep moving forward and keep you. And that's really like a, a, bare, a bad thing. Some people might call it a very bad thing. Some other people might call it a very, very bad thing. It was a bad thing, but the amount of good I've been able to find and have done with it, I think has, I have tried to make up for it. And you try to find it's a meaningless event that like, there was no reason for it. And there, we can get into them. Drugs, mental illness, uh, the system, uh, the man, uh, patriarchy, um, economic class, uh, everything. We can all just pack it in there. But really, there's no reason for it to ha- have happened. But it did. And so the rest of my life has been trying to figure out that, the, find reasons in that, if, find the meaning in the meaningless. And uh, yeah, that's when everything changed for me. And then there was plenty of other dates. There was December 3rd, uh, 2012. There was um, December 11th. Or November 11th, 2015.
0: Let's go, let's go, let's go back for a second, uh, Tanner. And, I, and again, I want to sincerely thank you for sharing this. Um, you know, that when I, when I, when Brandon had first told me about it, and I'd listened to you guys in previous podcasts, you know, I understood it and I, and I, I, I guess I got it cerebrally, but I didn't get it in my heart and my soul. And it wasn't until I went and Googled it and really did the research and saw, you know, the story and saw the the testimonies and saw, the impacts of what happened to your mom and Sal. I mean, I literally broke down. I was just like, wow, you know, and trying to make sense of it for myself, because I was like, okay, what was it? What, you know, caused it? You know, why was it the situation? Why wasn't it the neighbors? Because I know they were talking about possibly the neighbors. And I, and in my heart, as i spent like two or three hours, you know, reviewing all the video footage and, and just understanding that, um, you know, it just it broke my heart. And to see the story that has come out of this for yourself and for your mom and for Sal and for so many other people that potentially have been, been impacted Isabella. Um, your, I mean, your extended family and seeing the courage and seeing the determination and doing the 5k races and and continuing to watch Sal's progression is unfucking believable. I mean, you talk about unstoppable, you talk about strength, you talk about family, you talk about love, you guys are the epitome of that. I mean, it's truly inspiring. And you know, when I think, the thing that bothers me the most honestly is that it was your older brother Tucker um, talk to me about Tucker as a kid how was he you know was there any signs of situations that were happening in in his life that that would have given you any indication that, that he might be violent and and potentially do something this uh, catastrophic
2: yeah um i don't know it's hard it's looking back it's realizing like he was an older brother he was 2 years older than us and uh he always had he always had more issues with like behavior and actions, but it's not any kind of like, like kid growing up trouble, rebel older kid. You have two little brothers, twins. So like, we're going to get a little more of the attention when we're younger and like, so jealousy, but he was also like, he, he had, there was, he had mental illnesses that probably went undiagnosed that like, I think that's uh, the biggest part of our story. I want to say would want to, it to be a, a lesson is that he had, he was mentally unwell for all of his life. And it was undiagnosed. There was things that he did was getting help for my mom and dad did everything to help him. And, uh, they loved him. He was our, he was our older brother and, uh, they did everything they could, but it was the schools that were just like, didn't know how to handle him. It was, uh, professionals, uh, who didn't really know how to like help him the best. And there was, I think it was just like, there's a difficulty in people like trying to, we don't know how to, What's the best thing for mental illness? And then when mental illness like is led to like get worse and worse, then people turn to drugs and start coping, self coping with and self medicating. And I think that's when it started really going downhill. And um, is when he started like we. My parents tried to get a medication, like prescribed medication that was helping, but none of that was helping. And then like his, the people that were like psychiatry and like every all those people. And my mom knows a lot more than me of like raising uh, raising Tucker. But I know that he just, there, he was falling through the cracks, I think is the, is the hardest part of all this. And, and as, and it's hard to say that knowing that my mom did literally everything they can, they could to help him, but he was still falling through the cracks. And it's just, that's how difficult it is these days to really find the help that people need. And it just got worse and worse. And then by the time uh, high school came around, he was like just in a very bad place and hanging out with like bad people were just not good for him. And he wasn't, school wasn't helping him. And so it, it feels like it's more of the system that had failed him than it was himself because like he was he was trying and my mom and dad were trying. And so, yeah, there was definitely instances where we could see like, OK, he's acting out more than a normal, normal teenager would. But it's like what we're doing everything we can. And uh, really, he stopped. He started living more with friends before everything. I think that's when he really like got bad with drugs and self-medicating. And then it just, I'm, it just got worse and worse until like the night when he was, he was just fully blown on drugs. And at this point uh says he doesn't even remember any of it. And so, and then it happened and then it's like the pieces. And so, yeah, it's, it's, so it can't even like really put the blame, but then there's also this whole part of it where like, it's hard not to put the blame on him because he's the one who did it. He brought his friend to our house and he, and he, so as me and as his younger brother, like you're the older brother who's supposed to be protecting us and supposed to be watching us and do the exact opposite of that. Like, yeah, that's pretty, pretty friggin' bad. Um, but it's, uh, I can't swear. I don't want to swear in front of my mom. Um, but, uh, mm-hmm. but so, yeah, there's, there's some warning signs, but the, it's not like we didn't do everything we could to to help and it just got worse and worse. And there's, it's so difficult to help with mental illness these days and it's getting better. Just, Podcasts like this, talking about it like this. This is what's, this is what's helping. This is how you, you deal with mental illness and, um, and seeking professional. We're not professionals. We don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Maybe Brandon Mm -hmm. does, but not me. No, no, Brandon doesn't either. I just, you probably know more and you barely work here. You don't (laughs) even know you you walked over here. This is unprofessional. Sorry, Chris. Sorry. Um,
0: let me, let me ask, let me ask you a question real quick on that. Uh, Um, in hindsight, because we always want to play armchair quarterback to quote something football, so Brandon gets a hard on. Yeah,
3: he um, loves armchair.
0: If we play armchair quarterback, we go we go back in hindsight's twenty twenty. I football. You can say too. Yeah. Um, how has it been? Family conversations <laughs> like if I wish we would have done this because people are watching this. I know I had somebody reach out to on LinkedIn to me years ago and said because I, I mentored at risk kids and they're like you know the situation happened you know what would we do. Um so I was trying to help them. So in hindsight, do you think it would have been appropriate to have him committed or do you just think that you did everything you possibly could and this is just the road that it was going to play out in?
2: Yeah, my my mom and dad tried to have him committed to to rehab. They they actually I, I believe he was again, this is all stuff my mom is is better with now. And my mom's doing is back to normal she's just our mom now so she's doing really well and my brother is doing a lot better Salvatore Tori is doing a lot better um he's still worried he's still got a big road ahead of him but they're doing better but we can get in that later but speaking with Tucker yeah as me not being around for the process I know that they tried to commit him and it came down to like his decision and if he was like and he he would go for a little bit but then he would like go out and it, it just wasn't working for him so and again, it's his decision. It comes down to like their decision to be, to change. And you can only do so much, but it's something about like, you got to just, maybe we got to think more creatively about how we help these people, about how we help how drug addicts and mentally, mental illness. And we just don't, I don't, I don't know what the answer to it right now is. I don't know what could have changed everything. Just more attention. I think mental illness, drug addiction is such a, such a complicated beast that, I think our system tries to put it into like the same kind of disease that you just give, give them a medicine just to like, you, you have a broken arm. So you give them a bro, some, some drugs just, and then they don't feel the broken arm anymore. Eventually it goes away. And I think maybe sometimes our system is trying to treat these very complicated issues of drug addiction and mental illness in the same way. It's like, we just put them in, a, in a, give them some drugs and we put them in, a, if it gets worse, we put them in a, an institution for 60 days. And then after that, like, we don't know what to do. And like, then it's up to you. And that's clearly not working and it's, it's not working. I don't know what, um, I'm not a very smart person, so I have to leave it to smarter people to figure out the more creative solutions, but it's something, there's some, there's gotta be some more way. And it, it also is so unique case by case. It's not like one thing that works f- f- work that w- 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 one thing that works for one person, uh, is going to work for this, uh, another person. It's like, it's a case by case, which makes it even more complicated. It's like, where, where do we begin to start helping anybody because yeah, I, I don't know well, that's think, the question
1: right there where well, do we begin I
0: have, I have a plot thickening I have a plot thickening question is there a, is there a history of family uh, drug dependencies um, uh, psychiatric issues in the bloodline that would have caused this situation that would have kind of been a predictor or was is the family all uh, you know normal and fine? Uh,
2: no, there's nothing there's nothing to um, yeah, there's no real mental illness that we see in our family that that goes through, and and yeah,
1: and I don't even know if that's fair, cause like,
2: so my... the other whole part of this is uh, so that's that's what I was leading to is is he is adopted. My brother is adopted, so yeah, like we don't know his family as well. But I think I even I push against that. It's really hard, but it's it's I think some people would like to. Uh, zone in there and think like okay the adoption is where it's different it's like and I think that's all just even more makes it that's trying to simplify it even more and it's not, it's not because he was adopted and he's a different family like my family loved him just as much he, he was a biological brother biological son of of our family
1: yeah and when I told when I when I said like your adopted brother you you did what you cut me off and you said no 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 yep.
2: that's my brother that's my brother yeah and that's yeah. what because that's important, and like, but at the same time, the adoption is part of it. Because, like, I as as a biological son of my parents, I can't understand what it feels like to be adopted. Because that's a whole nother like slew of issues of
0: feelings. of When did he find out? When did he find out he was adopted, or did he
2: young age? He always knew he, and so, and I, that's something growing up. I didn't, I didn't understand. I didn't know why he was, and that was something, especially as you get older. From what I understand, like adopted children are more it's, it's hard feelings of like, why would my biological parents abandon me or neglect? And like, I don't belong anywhere. And I think that's all very valid. And, and I think that's what makes it even harder is like, these adopted children can be loved just as much as biological children, but there's still some feeling of my original parents gave me up. My original parents abandoned me. And like, there's no amount of love that can fill that sometimes. And that's just, mm-hmm. that, I think that's what breaks me even more is like, I can't understand, I can't completely empathize with Tucker's situation because I don't know what it feels like to have that deep degree of abandonment, especially in the face of such deep love from these new parents. And that's even more contradictory. It makes it even harder. So that's why it's like, it's hard because people, yeah, people like to like bring up he's adopted. So that maybe that's where it came from, but
0: no. but That that, that goes back to my part of the question is, was there, was there history of mental abuse or mental illness in their family do you know their family
2: uh we don't know their family my, my again my parents know, know his history more i know there was drug addiction in his family and there's illness in his family so i believe there's stuff that the biological part of the biological <laughs> family yeah there's definitely stuff wow. that's coming through there that is uh yeah it complicates things too and and, and not knowing that history as fully is also complicated so
0: I know I'm dealing with that too. I mean, you guys know I adopted, adopted Jackson from birth. We know the birth parents and everything. Uh, fortunately, you know, great guys and everything. But what you just said really draws into my, my own thoughts on almost a daily basis as he gets older. It's like, okay, having that conversation with him to say, Hey, I mean, he's grown up and I mean, Brandon, you know, he's grown up. I get chills. He's grown up in the most loving environment we could possibly give him. Um, and, and, but I, we know that there's going to be a point in his, in his growth period where he's going to be like, Oh wait, what okay so what happened and we're going to be able to tell them the story but the the situation on our side is the fact that and I've seen this in other adopted situations they had another kid and they've they've kept him Mm -hmm. so then there's that psychological issue of dealing with that but I mean his 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 quote-unquote brother has major medical issues so that's why they kept him they didn't they didn't think he was going to have a chance being adopted out they were still young parents and they've kept him so I know that that's going to be a lot for him to process like okay I was born healthy and I was born great and now I'm in this awesome family and now my brother is in this situation and he's dealing with that so there's gonna be all sorts of different guilt associations with that but the one thing I really really admire about you Tanner is the fact that the 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 love you've shown for Tucker you continue to show for him the defense that you've done for him um, again I watched the witness testimony I watched him uh, have conversations with your uncle I mean, it's crazy how much is online. I mean, it's almost freaking yeah, yeah. Stuff is in there. Um, no, the big questions I have for you, and I kind of know the answer, but I want the audience to hear that. How did you process all that? I mean, to go from, I mean, obviously the different ranges of emotions and how did you come to terms with, he's still my brother. I still love him. I still support him. Uh, talk to us about that process because I mean, good Lord. I mean, I can imagine the conversations that you must've had in your head and your family. And also, um want to get some other perspectives from your family from your other family members too but just that that question really um strikes at me is is like wh- how do you do that
2: yeah it's uh um so the morning everything happened april 16th 2012 uh, about i woke up at like 5 uh made a 911 call brought the police over then eventually the police took me out and put me in the I, I was put in the back of a police car just to keep me safe there um while they like investigated the house looked at everything because it was uh, a grisly scene, to say the least. And uh, so I was in the car. I remember thinking in the car. I was alone. It's like six in the morning. And realizing what I said earlier is that this is the, this is the moment of my life that will be a defining moment of my life, but I cannot let it define me, whatever that means. And I don't really know what that means. And I, I don't know how I even, I was 17 years old, so I don't know how it came to me, but I'm a God-fearing individual. So I think it's partly my God. And I also think it's also my dad, who, who at that time, I also knew there was a point when uh, a police officer came over to me uh, while I was waiting in the car. I didn't know the, the condition of any of my family members at this point still, uh, but a police officer came to me uh, to tell me that my dad was dead, my dad was murdered. And, um, but he said also that he was, a, he was a Catholic Central dad, shout out CC, go shamrocks, um, let's rock, uh, eat rice. And, uh, um, but he told me that, that uh, as a CC dad, He knows that this is uh, an unimaginable tragedy but the community at catholic central will be there to help me through it and there will be priests there there will be my brothers there will be cc families and everybody will help us through and so that was a very comforting notion in the middle of chaos um and then he left me to think about everything and sit in the car and that was when sitting in the car that morning was when i realized like so to flash back a little bit Uh, me and Tucker did not have a good relationship growing up. I did not, I did not like him. I, especially as he got older, I saw all the problems in our family. I was just like, okay, it's Tucker acting up. It's like, he's doing things that are irrational and especially growing up and not completely understanding his mental illness and his drug addiction. Um, me and, but also having my brother, my twin brother, who I understand completely, we didn't always get along, but I knew why he was acting the way he was. This is very, it was a very rational person, person. And me being a very rational person compared to my older brother, Tucker, who would always act very irrationally. So I had resentment and, resentment. and I even had, I, I hated him growing up. There's points when I really, truly hated him because of what I believed he was doing to our family. And, uh, but I always saw my, my parents continue to love him, forgive him and let him back in the family, no matter what happened. And I didn't understand that. I was just like, why our family is best when Tucker's not here. Why would you let him back in? And that's the way I was all the way up until this, this night, this morning. And I was sitting in the cop car and I realized, I just remember picturing, uh, two doors and in my head and, and behind one door, it was like, I can either go down the door of, of hate and blame and, 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 uh, saying Tucker did this to our family. Now more than ever, I have reason to continue hating him. And now I have actual fact, an actual event that proves like what, how much he's hurt our family. And everybody will understand why I hate him so much. And I can keep going down there. And I just realized I saw, saw ahead. And like, that's just a spiral of descent into just hatred and, and bitterness and, and, and bad, bad feelings, uh, darkness. And at that point, all I knew was my sister was still alive. She was unharmed. And I knew that. And I, I just clicked in. I realized like, I cannot take care of my sister. If I hate somebody, if I'm angry the rest of my life, I need to watch out for my sister. And the only way I can do that is if I can move on from here, and keep focus on her and myself. And then, so behind door number two was forgiveness. And I don't know what got me. Again, I'm going to say it, it's up to God. Uh, God's a great woman. She's a nice nice girl. And uh, my dad uh, acting through me. And uh, I believe that I just realized like through, the, through forgiveness, through this door of forgiveness, I walked through it. That means that I can accept that what, what happened here. I accept that Tucker did this to our family, him and his friend but I can move forward. And I'm not forgiving him for, I wouldn't be forgiving him for him, his sake. I'd be forgiving him for my sake. It would be moving this weight off my shoulder so that I can move forward and focus on myself and my sister. And it's only through forgiveness that I can move forward. And so in that car, I kind of realized like, I have to forgive him. I have to let this go. I have to move on. It's the only way I can like move past it. That's kind of what I did. And. And then from this then on, the
0: car? this all happened in the car. This conversation in your head happened in the car Yeah, in the cop car. And this question, yeah. this, question this question's 17, 17 about 17. Holy fucking shit. Sorry, mom. Sorry, mom. What what all right. This. You had that conversation in your brain at 17 years old after finding out your dad was just murdered. Your, your mom and your brother are in a coma. And you're, wow, that is profound. I mean, that is so wow. That is, I mean, that is beautiful. That is that is, I mean, crazy. But wow, just to have that, 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 that frame of mind to say, wow, you know, I can do these two things right now. Um, and being 17 years old, I mean, that is massively powerful, dude. I have so much respect for you. That is, I mean, seriously, dude. Can't wait to give you a big hug in person and have a beer because that that really if, if you guys out there watching, have you guys get anything, you guys have got, already gotten something. Um, listen to the power in that, just the, the power of the choice, the power of am okay, well, I going to be a victim of the situation or am I going to try to figure out how to be a victor of the situation? Brandon, I think you had a question for him.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if you'll appreciate or dislike the granularity of it, dislike but here it, it goes. Um, and I ask what you color this- color are
2: those seats? They're black.
1: No, I, I only see. ask you this because I, like that decision you made, and I think if you want to, like I'd like to touch on the
3: funeral itself, yes. but that decision you made, was impactful like it told me that like this guy is forgiving and it's like the
1: one time where like you don't have to and nobody will ever tell no one will advise you yeah very few people would advise you to forgive you did it yeah so the grand, the question that i have for you is like did you actually see two doors in your head was it two, physically two doors in your brain yeah, like one here, one there.
2: One was oak, and one was mahogany. All right, you're bullshitting no, me, but like seriously, but yeah, did I you see thinking, two doors? I remember thinking doors. I remember thinking wow. door, two doors, and that's what I remember
1: thinking. Yeah, but we talk about the power of visualization, right? Mm-hmm. That's that in action, and like it was subconscious. Mm-hmm. Like that was where your mind went. Yeah. Because I can't help, I can't help but think that that's because a part of your experiences.
2: I, it back. is uh, doors. Is I have uh, uh, some would call it unhealthy obsession with doors these days. Love um, handles. Yeah, I love doors, handles. Uh, yeah, if they're there, I'm going to touch it. I'm going to get up and I'm going to feel it. Uh, no. Don't be weird. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me not to be weird. I'm going to be, weird. be weird. weird. Life is weird. Uh, and I kiss it and I lick it and I just feel the creases.
1: Um, I enjoy this because you're messing with Chris. He doesn't know what to take seriously. And there's so many times that Chris has messed with me and I've just like not been sure where to go with it. And now it's like happening to him and I'm seeing his eyes and his face
2: expressions. I I haven't watched his expressions. And I'm loving <laughs> yeah. it. I'm loving it. So we were talking about how I like, like to <laughs> feel the creases of doors. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if I'm we'll going to dig it. into that, no uh, doors. Yeah. I just remember visualizing the door and um, the two doors and I don't know why they came to my mind, but there's a whole another thing I can get into my psyche of like why doors are important to me, but, uh, but I can get into that another conversation, but, um, but yeah, to answer your question yeah i saw the doors in that in
0: car so yeah. so with forgiveness being you know kind of the touchstone of the conversation right at the moment is is are there members of your family who do not forgive him are, i mean yeah, yeah, tucker, that, yeah. i mean isabella yeah. was in the house with you i mean your mom actually saw i mean that's that's kind of one of the questions was he actually the one physically doing it, or was it was it mitchell was it the other guy mitchell
2: mitchell yeah mitchell and tucker um so that's mm-hmm. a whole nother debate is who did what and like that's the debate and the testimony in the court testimony that's that's the big uh, like question of like who did who did what to what family member and there's no way to know that because like none of us remember the night i w- i wasn't even in i wasn't there i was i was hiding under my desk like a little fucking coward freaking coward sorry Mom. uh no i i'm a hero no i'm not a hero you're all heroes <laughs> sidelines um but, uh, yeah, my family members – so nobody knows who did what in the event. I'll just say that. Um, and uh, – but, but – uh, so in our close family – I'll start with our extended family. One, I'll make a note is I hate speaking for other people, so I'm sorry that I'm speaking on behalf of other people right now. But uh, you asked me the question, so I'm going to answer it to the best of my ability. But I can say immediately after it was difficult for – and I'd say it's still difficult for extended family members, relatives that I talked about earlier, the relativity. Um, there's relatives that have, have harder time forgiving him and have, I'd say, maybe still haven't forgiven him. Um, and then, but there's also family members who still, conti- I've, um, yeah, still continue to help them and like try do what they can to help them. And uh, so th- there's a spectrum of that, but the extended, fa- the, uh, the direct family, the immediate family, I'd say my mom, um, I'd say my sister is in a hard place because she was eight years old when all this happened. And up Ooh. to that point, if anybody was seeing the loving side of Tucker, the good side of Tucker, like in those, those years leading up to it, it was my sister. So she oh, really, wow. she was the one who saw like, Tucker was a fun older brother to, to her and like saw the good sides. Whereas me and my, my twin brother, Tori, uh, only saw the more combative, the more irrational part of him. So, and we, we just were around him more. So we had more reason to like build up resentment. So my sister, but now my sister is like, she was so young that like, sh- does she even have a decision? It's like, and I think that's, she's going to be battling that her whole life not not knowing how she feels about how about tucker so and but i know that so i don't even know if it it's a question of forgiveness or hatred for my sister but like it's something that she's gonna have to figure out for herself but she's a very smart person who will figure it out um and uh and tory is does i don't think he does forgive tucker i think he he does he is angry at the situation because like he's the most physically he was the most physically hurt but well other than my dad that um but um, he was he was physically hurt the worst out of our immediate family and so he has the most reason to still be angry at the situation and uh but i think the power of Tori is that as angry as he is justified in his anger he doesn't let that stop him from like moving forward and getting better and like if anything like i don't think he thinks about tucker that much and i think if he does he just thinks that like tucker did this to me but like now it's up to me to make my life better and like get stronger so Tucker in the event is only like a passing thing that comes into his life sometimes. And then it goes away and he focuses on just getting stronger himself. Tori is the strongest person you'll ever meet. So I hope you all meet him one day. Uh, But so he's moving on and he doesn't let the anger uh, take him down. And I think that's a very powerful anger. That's very justified as well. And then my mom, man, my mom, um, she is the most loving person you'll ever meet. She's like a beautiful soul and this is for her she lost her husband and she lost her old her oldest son This, like her son is in prison like that's still her son if anything she knows more than anybody the difficulty that tucker lived through just growing up with everything going on with like drug addiction and mental illness she saw it firsthand and if anybody also saw the good sides of tucker she saw it the most and so now more than ever it's it's difficult for my mom and because he's in prison, and she can't talk to him. And I think it's still a path that she's still trying to figure out. Like she still thinks of him as his, as his son. She, he just sent her a letter on Mother's Day uh, mm. that she very appreciated. And, and my mom wants to keep, keep him in, in our life. But at the same time, it's like difficult because like he also did this to our family. So and she knows that as well. So it's, it's something that she has to battle between knowing that he did commit this event, commit this uh, tragedy. At the same time, he's, a, he's, our, he's her son who was just as broken as anybody else, if not more broken than anybody else. And, like, he also has to live with the rest of his life knowing that he led to the murder of, of his own father. And, like, that's something that he has to live with. So, yeah, my mom is, like, yeah, she's, she's a, a very she's good amazing. person. She's a very good yeah. person. Can I make,
1: I want to get back to the doors real quick. I'm sorry, Chris. You love the doors. One more time. One more question about the doors. Like, I know that you like, you had that visualization, right? Yeah. But like, you don't just go through what you went through. And I I can say this because like, we like ultimately ended up going through it as together as a community. Like you don't go through what you went through and just go through that door once that has to be like a constant it's every
2: day you wake up every day. You it's walk a constant
1: reaffirmation. It's literally like showering, but it feels like you have to do it more often. Don't you?
2: Yeah. Great point. If, if anything, it's, um, going back to like how the last few months and like lately I've been like, my whole life has been upturned and like, like everything's falling apart to be rebuilt. Um, as I go, I think the hardest thing that I've been dealing with is that by forgiving him that, that early, that quickly, like I was able to move on. And that was the only way I was able to survive. But eight years later, I'm realizing there's still anger underneath there. And that I like never really dealt with because I was always like, well, anger is just a bad feeling that like, if I start getting angry, there's no reason for it. So I'm just going to like keep running, running past it. And that anger finally caught up to me, I'd say in this last few months. And it finally started coming in other places of my life. And I started feeling angry, not necessarily at the event, but just angry in general, more angry than I usually am. I wouldn't, I, would you call me a pretty angry person? I get angry all the time. I scream at everybody. I'm fucking pissed right now. No, I'm not angry. I'm uh, pretty level-headed. But, but that's, I think that's my problem is that I, w- I kept thinking yeah. that anger is the unhealthy feeling. And it's only taken me eight years to realize, like, no, I need to feel anger just as much as forgiveness, just as much as love. And I just need to think of it more in a – I need to feel angry in a healthy way. And there's ways to do that. And, but I think that's where I'm at right now is trying to get a better grapple of my anger and feel it in a healthy way. And because that anger comes out just in frustration or it comes out in, in self shame and, uh, and, uh, getting down on myself. So I think angry is anger is my hardest emotion I'm dealing with. Oh,
0: absolutely. And without a, I mean, good Lord, give yourself a break. Um, no. so, so thinking about it again, I watched Tucker's testimony and, I, and I, from what I understand, he, he agreed to plea to life in prison without the possibility of parole to save you guys from having to go yeah. into court and testify, is that correct? That, that is, is correct. correct. That's, I mean, God, it gives me goosebumps, Jesus. And I watched that testimony, I was crying, I was just like, wow, just watching this young soul who went on a journey and made a decision and had, I mean, personally, I, I'm just gonna talk openly, I watched Mitchell's testimony and I think he's a dick. I think he's an asshole. I think he's a calculated dick. Yeah. I think I will say I'll,
2: is, I'll pause there is I could, you can say anything about Mitchell. I don't know him. We didn't, we didn't know him before, but I, he, I know for a fact that he comes from a very difficult past, a very difficult family as well. So yeah, there's problems that. that he's dealing with that we have no idea about, but that's also like Mitchell's a very, is a harder uh, issue to deal with because like I don't know him as much so but but you, you're you very valid in thinking he's a dick he killed my dad so yeah,
0: yeah. I, his, his testimony he was putting down his attorney right in front of him he's like and my attorney didn't do this and my attorney didn't do this and he was citing all this stuff and he was he did not take any responsibility he kind of said well, yeah, I shouldn't have been the judge, like slapped the shit out of him. He's like, Chris, no, I'm gonna hate- push back.
2: I don't think we need to make it. Let's not make it about Mitchell and like how should he have a testimony he did. But I will say, with Tucker's testimony, if you want to go, do you want to talk about that? Because there's a specific thing about that is, uh, um, yeah, is that was the one time I've talked to him, uh, in eight years. Was I, oh, wow, I made funny. a phone call. My uncle Greg, shout out Uncle Greg, he's, he's one of our heroes. Um, he was the one dealing with Tucker. Is still dealing with Tucker the most out of our family. And um, and during when all that was happening, we had there was a prosecutor in, on our side, supposedly on our side, who was kept trying to push us to go to testimony because, well, I'm not going to conjecture and infer what she wanted, but but they really didn't want him to take that plea deal. And then honestly, like Tucker didn't want to take that plea deal because yeah, it's life. But and but my uncle was doing a good job of convincing him, saying like this is the only way that you can make sure that your family doesn't have to testify, like do it for your family. And Tucker was going pretty, like he was in the direction, but he was still not for sure about it. And the one phone call I've made to him in those eight years is like telling him "Dad, if you do anything for dad, if you do anything as my older brother, you have to take this plea because that's the way that dad raised us. That's how he, he would want you to protect. Not only, not even me, just Isabella, you, you have to protect Isabella from this, this court and, and good. And Good to his word, Tucker did it. He took the plea and he went for it. And so we didn't have to testify. But yeah, that was the one time it's like, this is a bad situation. Yeah, you did it. it's not good what you did. But if you're gonna do one good thing out of this from
0: from here on out, is you gotta take this plea deal for our family. And he did. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, now now kind of catching up in, in the last you know situations you've been through your life. How, how? What have you learned in, in, in this last, like you said, from last November up until now? What have you learned about yourself and, and what, what things can you share with the audience that can help them process whatever situations they're going through during this COVID, during this pandemic, and then yeah. their own personal mental challenges?
2: Uh, grief is not fun, but it's also fun. Uh, it's uh, And it's it never ends. And it'll be with you forever. And it's difficult. The more that you put it off dealing with it, the worse it's going to be later on. And that's what I realized eight years later um, is I think when everything happened, I kind of like really invested in myself. Like, okay, I need to take care of my sister. I need to take care of our family. And, and I, I did a good job of taking care of myself. I thought I was doing a good job of taking care of myself. I started to realize like I'm investing so much time in taking care of other people around me that like, I'm not putting the time in to take care of myself. But like, I was able to, to, to make it work for me. I was able to continue on. And and then I had several other tragedies that we need to get into pretty soon with Brandon here um, that came mm-hmm. up in years after that, that major tragedy that, again, I ended up having to step up to be the person. I, I forced myself to be the person to take care of, of other people, and Brandon knows exactly where I'm at. He,
1: yeah, you talked about grief, and that wasn't yeah. something that well, that's you, that's
3: that's you that's did good, right, right way. away. It so, took That's
0: years. a good transition point, Tanner. I mean, I asked you that question that that dovetailed into all of this discussion. And thank you again. What was the date for you, Brandon, where you had a situation in your life cause massive shift in your, in your situation?
3: I've had a couple, a couple, two,
0: um,
3: December
1: 3rd,
0: 2012, um, 2012. Yeah, that was a a tough year. year. Oh, tough year. I thought, okay.
1: So that's the year that I like. I had to grow up. I had to grow up because of what happened to you. Like I didn't, none of us had a
2: choice. Like boys to mend. boys.
1: So I would say the first, like the first one is, you know, in April of 2012 because like life was never the same after that. You know, I looked grown men that I looked up to in the eye and I asked them if like our brother Sal was going to live and they told me, no, don't count on it and it broke them that it broke them to have to tell me that but like that was the consensus at that point right
2: yeah yeah we didn't know we had no idea about my brother day by day
1: so like it sounded silly when we talked about it at the beginning but we like talked about like captains and stuff right and like we had just named our captains and then we had a teammate that was going to die because he was beaten with a baseball bat we had just like so you're you're just forming like that, you know, that trust, of that bond, yeah. right. You're spending countless hours together working for a common goal. And then God's like, and life is like,
3: Hey, check this out,
1: check this out
0: <laughs> curveball.
1: So at that point, the only thing, like we knew what to do, like us, us kids, I don't know about everybody else, but like me personally, Like, in my head, I did not accept the fact that, like, Sal was going to die. For Like, I I knew that, like, the odds were against him. I just, like, I was not going to accept it until it happened. And then I would deal with it from there. Like, I don't know why I felt that way, but I was like, no. And I don't know when it happened. Like I think it formally happened, like, once the football season started and Sal was still around, still fighting. I was able to go see him. But it, it was all about, like, bring Sal back. That's all right. Easy. And the whole goal was like, get to the end of the season, get to the state championship. And like, I, I, I don't know, but like, I think around that time frame, like everything kind of came together to the point where like, Hey, if we get to state, we make it to state, like it will be enough time past that Sal can like come to our locker yeah. room and see us. So that was what it was all about and we had an extremely tough schedule that year we were
2: not the best team either no
1: like we had just gotten we had just made like went to the state championship in the last year and we lost to an incredible team like incredible cast tech team in detroit like wonderful team all right
2: yeah and then and a very good marching band
1: and we had some we had some very strong seniors (laughs) some that you know had division one scholarships right um Castick had like 13. That's neither here nor They're there. So
3: good. But um, our marching band. so good.
1: Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, we like came into the new season, like we had talent, but not as much. And like then this happens, and it's like, we gotta bring this together. And we had well, a tough Rick. schedule. We went five and four. We weren't supposed to make the fucking playoffs, Chris. No.
0: And like mm-hmm. we wow. made
1: it. Do you want to know why we made it? Because of strength of schedule. You have to win six games in Michigan to like make it to the playoffs to qualify for the playoffs because of the fact that our schedule was so tough mathematically we made the playoffs. Wow. Yeah. So then Damn. we do that run. We have a tough season with a tough schedule. And then we blow through some people in the playoffs here. And then we finally bring Sal back. So that, that was like, that was amazing for me. Yeah. I'll never forget that.
2: You come into the to locker room. Oh, Jesus, this is unprofessional.
1: Hey, you're really not a good look for my brand, buddy.
2: Not good. Uh, did, did Tori make it to the locker room that he did? Yeah, he
3: did.
1: He did. He came with your uncle,
2: came with our uncle. Yeah. He was very excited to see you boys.
1: That was everything to me.
3: Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. And wow. Honestly, like we came up short and like I am never one to be like a consolation prize type of fella, but like my, my everything, my goal that entire season was bring Sal back and we did it. So that was one. Um, December 3rd, 2012, we lost one of our, another one of our and brothers. It was only a couple
2: weeks after the state championship. Yeah, we one lost. week
1: after the state championship. David oh. Wodzinski, Winsins, amazing brother, amazing work ethic, amazing friend, pure, purest heart, purest can be. I knew him a little bit before he came to Catholic Central, and I was actually one of the people that uh, was instructed to call him to convince him to come to our school. And then it ultimately ended up working out where we lived close enough together. And, uh, you know, I was the guy that drove him around all the time. And, uh, his mother used to give us money. Cause she thought like I was, you know, she was putting me out by like having me do that. But like we were well, best, we Dave, were best buds and we blew that all that money on Jimmy John's. I was supposed to David, go in my tank. That
3: was, we ate, we had a lot of food before David Brandon was the loser at school. And David, like, shot his street cred super is that what high happened? Up. Yeah, yeah, completely. but well, okay. okay, continue. Okay.
1: But, yeah, I mean, one week after our state championship football game, he was a sophomore that got called up on varsity. He, he had 15 tackles in the state championship. And I'm, I know you're Damn. not a football guy, but that's amazing. But
2: yeah, he would have gone to big things.
1: <laughs> I didn't find out about it until after he passed away. But, like, Big Ten schools were, like, considering Another talking day, to baby. him Another in, day. like, you know, wow. starting the process of like, hey, we would be interested in like having you be a part of our team someday. That happened. And a oh, week man. after he passed away in his sleep, I was supposed to, whoa, I was supposed to pick him up the next morning. And like, I, I talked to him. Um, I, I remember the last thing, I, like, the last interaction I had with him, he texted me and it was like, hey, can you bring like, he found this ski jacket that was going to get thrown out, but he really liked it. So he like yeah. took it and it was his and he's like, Hey, will you bring my ski jacket? And I was like, I, I think I said something sarcastic. That was like, I- maybe, um, maybe. and he was like, thanks. And I-, I think the last thing I said to him was like, you're welcome. I guess just like in a silly an tone. Hassle, and that was
0: the last thing I said
2: to him. This year, your best friend was
3: just about and to I wake, up-
1: I wake up the next morning and he doesn't answer. I wake up the next morning and he doesn't answer. I would always text him to say like, you ready, bro? And,
3: uh, when did you realize, it? <laughs> um, so I went to school that day and I tried to get in touch with him
1: and I felt like something was kind of off. And like I said, he was a sophomore. So I talked to one of his closest friends, Eddie Zipka. And I said, you hear from, uh, you hear from, um, Dave today. You hear from David today. He said, no. And, uh, you know, after school, we you know, we always had our workouts and stuff like that. We were hanging around. I was hanging around in the athletic director's office. Mr. Aaron Babbitts,
2: true legend, strongest athletic director in the state of Michigan.
1: Oh yeah, and um, I was instructed by him that the principal of the school, Father Huber, Father Huber wanted to speak with me uh, in the speak with me and a couple other people in the chapel at like six o'clock, and our parents were coming. So, oh, I, was in trouble. I had no idea what was happening. Like Aaron Babbitts, God bless him, and I hated him for it at the time. And he knew that it wasn't a real hate, but it was because of the pain that it caused. I was making jokes about what Father wanted to do with us in the chapel and stuff like Classic, that. Bro. And he oh, held no. it, he knew that David was dead. Oh, and um, he held it together and he just let me say it. And it wasn't even bad. I love Father Huber, but, That's like, strange. boys will be boys, and they'll make jokes. Like, boys will be
3: yeah.
1: boys. Um, And then I just remember sitting in that chapel, and the entire, like, the all of the administrators were there, and, like, my father was there with me. And uh, he said, like, David went to bed last night, and he didn't wake up. And for me, like, when I got into that chapel and I saw, like,
3: i I mean i i I knew what happened i knew what happened before he said it i just didn't want to believe it yeah so that happened i don't know who it was to this day but like
1: somebody ran out of the room hysterical and it was like the worst sound i had ever heard in my entire life the worst screech i'd ever heard in my entire life um and i just like i remember Sitting there, motionless, no tears, no crying, and then I
3: finally like. I I remember I remember finally like, for some reason I
1: didn't accept affection from my father, and my father understood it, and he didn't touch me, and like I was I wasn't like told this until later, but like I guess that like. I was the only person that was like wasn't like physically consoled by their parent. And someone like brought that up to me as a bad thing, but like in retrospect, like my dad just knew that I needed that space at that time. And I do, I I, fi- I remember finally running out of the chapel, just to like you Make know. Sure going- you talking
2: your microphone? Thanks. <laughs> you remember running. <laughs> I, out I remember. Of
1: I room. remember running out of the chapel as I speak into my microphone, and uh, like Aaron came out to you know try to comfort me, and I just looked at him and I was like, "You fucking knew." You fucking knew and then you know i you know i
3: talked with you know i finally like broke down and like my father hugged me aaron hugged me
0: sounds beautiful i mean in any moment that you have those situations that come up i'm good, I'm good. I, can, I can
3: keep going we, we made, made him cry we, we made him made cry yes
0: <laughs> we did it right? just just having just having somebody hug you and hold you there, there's i because i get that brandon i get that i've been always strong in my life and like okay i'm gonna be the big one i'm gonna be the one that's gonna be um hearing things out and um you know sometimes you just have to let go i mean that's i still deal with that my wife will laugh at me because when i drink I will get teary. She's like, why are you, why are you get sad? And I'm like, because I hold a lot of my pain. I hold a lot of my anger inside and I process it. When I'm sober, I can process, I can put it in a box. I can figure it out. But when I drink and I sit there and I think about things then, and I do that on purpose because I know I need to deal with those issues. So I'll sit and I'll listen to a playlist and like get sad and like, okay, why am I feeling sad? Where is this coming from? Okay. I feel like I've been abandoned. Okay. What, what do I need to process out of that to get out of the feeling of abandon? And, and just feeling those, those tears and feeling that pain, you know, it's, it's crazy because I do cry a lot. And like I said, when I was watching, you know, your story Tanner and everything and, and watching the 5k and I was just like, tears are streaming down. I'm like, it's because of the love. It's because of the situation. It's because of my own processing of what that meant to me. You know, that's a beautiful thing. I mean, that, I mean, having that, having that family unity and accepting that is is so paramount, and sometimes we push people away because we want to be stronger. When in actuality, we should just drop our arms and just be like, "Fuck, just hold me, hug your cry, eyes cry, just just me, hug, to cry." It's good.
1: All right, I'm gonna do my job, and I'm gonna finish.
0: No, your no, job is to good. cry. Just continue
1: to cry. Let me talk about
0: crying for a little bit. Okay,
1: go. Oh, fuck off! All right. Oh. If we, I was just, we did it, Chris. I
0: just want, want to say able, we did. it, We oh, made right him cry. This trend, if you want to bring the background? Your face when you were watching my face, not understand his gotcha
1: yo noted i love you yeah i love you yeah so i was, just, too, just like
2: was crying too. just engineer Kangers crying too i was him.
1: i was hysterical but and they like strongly strongly advised me against it but my father again my father my father knew his son and he wasn't gonna tell me no it wasn't him that told me no i remember mr lewis our assistant principal was like begging me not to leave and i was like i need to go see tanner and I, need, I, I, I needed to leave because I needed – no one else knew, and I knew it was going to go public, and I needed Tanner to know before everybody else did, and I needed Tanner to know because I needed Tanner. Wow. So I left. I remember I'm getting on I'm, – I'm heading out towards Milford from Wixom. I'm getting onto the 96 – I'm heading – getting on 96, trying to head west. And as I'm getting onto the ramp, Dan Anderson, our head our, – our, uh, he's now the head football coach of Catholic Central. Um, rocks he called me and um like he was able to calm me down a little bit and he was checking in on me making sure i was okay and um i told him what i was doing and he advised me to be cautious but i remember you and i we uh i think it was a mcdonald's parking lot right off of that milford exit
2: i remember getting the call and
1: you get you get the call from me and i was like i need to see you now
2: and you didn't tell me over the call did you
1: no Cause you came out, I remember you pulled up and you came into my car. I was driving that shitty Ford Taurus that had, uh, it was a it's red great, car right? with a yeah. blue bumper. Uh, it's great. Cause I front, <laughs> I, cause I rear ended somebody cause I was texting like an ass.
2: Jesus. Are you going to, that's it. That anymore. was my dad's you know tough lesson. He grew he was, up. That he was my grew dad's up.
1: tough lesson. He's like, you're going to go to the junkyard and find a bumper that works for a price that works. Yes. Um, but yeah, <laughs> nice. you jump into the car and I told you Yeah. and that right there. So like that, moment of vulnerability that time frame was like the last it was like really like the last piece of vulnerability i really like gave to most people for a long time because the way that like and i took on i think i like took on this responsibility almost. I I wouldn't say it was like self-proclaimed, but I think it was like natural for people to like, look to me simply because he and I were so close and I was a senior and I was a leader of the school.
2: You're an actual captain.
1: So that was really like the only like true time. I like let my, like let my guard down. And then it was like, I had a fucking job to do. Yeah. And I remember there were like, how many people were at my house that
2: night? There's a lot. We were all just hanging out. Like,
1: no, none of us. We're all just kids and we don't know what to do,
2: and we just lost our friend. Suddenly, there's no no explanation again. Just wow. night. There, and like
1: the midnight. brightest and like the best of it. The best
2: of them. Best of us. He was a great kid. And he had, again, he was gonna go on and do great things. That's the hard part. Of you like the uh, the, the I would have traded
1: opportunity. I would have traded that for him. Looking back on it. I don't think I've had that thought before, but like, I think I would have taken his place just to give him that chance. Go fuck yourself, Brandon. I really would have, man. No, no, don't.
2: Do you think David wants you saying that right now? No, no. I don't. I'm not saying it for him.
1: I'm not saying it for him. Yeah,
2: and you're not. You're not saying it for him. You're saying it for yourself. But you don't. Don't. You're not saying that. Don't say that because like David wants you to live. David wants Mm. you to live your life because you have a great, great opportunity. You're you're producing podcasts, man. That's awesome. That's so cool. It's, it sounds facetious but it actually is really cool but it's also a joke too um uh, no Brandon, i know that feeling i know the feeling of like i wish it should have been me like i live that i haven't every had day. that
1: thought in years to be yeah. honest with you like it just like honestly just talking about it in detail for the first time in a long time
2: and crying about it no, i love the tears keep them coming uh, if you uh, like just touching on that too, with my i look at my brother every day my twin brother uh we were supposed to record this podcast last week. We couldn't because my brother had a seizure. He has a seizure about once a month. This time he had it twice a month. This time it was a little worse. That's something every time he has a seizure, I think how much I would, how much I would trade to be in his place. So he doesn't have to go through this every time, every, he doesn't have to have these seizures, but I know that he doesn't want that either. And also to be honest, like he knows that I'm, I probably wouldn't be strong enough to handle these seizures. He's the one he's strong. He's always been stronger than me. He's always been a better sports player, sports baller. Um, and, and you know what, he couldn't talk on this podcast as well as, 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 he couldn't talk on this podcast as well as me. So like, what does it matter? I'm talking <laughs> on pretty well. Um, but no, they do not want us to switch positions. But you know what, it, we cannot help but think that because like, yeah, we think it would be better if, if, if well, if Brandon was dead, I wouldn't have to deal with him. every but uh but I do and I'm very happy for it and you know what I'd have to deal with David every day too you know he's a great person but we get he's get on our nerves just as much as you do but no my and my dad is like how much I would give to have him back but also know that that wouldn't fix everything and that and like my life and like how much I would give to like not have this entire thing happen to my family is like I don't know where I would be in my life if it didn't happen to me so like there's no point in wishing that it all gone, wishing it was a different version. But you know what? It's human. Of course we're going to do Do you to want to know why it's hard
1: happened. for me? Why is I it mean, hard I mean, and for you work in film, so no, I think you understand. No, I don't. Let's keep talking, Chris.
2: Okay, yeah, I do. I know.
1: So, for me, like, I, I know that I said what I said.
3: I'm glad you said it. And I know that glad he said wouldn't it.
1: want I'm glad you said me it. to feel that way. But picture this. What if you could, what if you could, like, Sure, what if you could look at a film a movie right or now. see something from a bird's eye view and just watch it happen like that what if scenario and that's something like we're talking about like like i'll be real like this isn't like i'm not some success story that's perfect and is completely overcome this successful. like it's he's
2: a podcast producer like what the hell such a tool no keep
1: <laughs> quiet but now you made me lose my train of no, thought no
2: it's not it's like look at the it would be so story.
1: nice to like be able to like you, nobody knew how he was going to turn out, but that kid loved Notre Dame yeah. and Notre Dame was looking at him. And that would just be the start of his impact. And it would be a continuation of his Catholic upbringing. And I think that that boy of all fucking people just needed structure and people that loved him and he would thrive. Oh
2: my God. And that's what
1: happened at CC. And that's why for <laughs> me, I wanted like, it would just be sweet to and imagine see if, that movie.
2: Yeah. The what if I can't, I'll was, never have
1: it, but like, it would be nice to have that.
2: Imagine what if that, like he would have gone like, how good he played at, at, um, football. I'm not saying, well, I don't like you being grammatically correct, how good he played at football and apply mm-hmm. that to the rest of his life, what he could have done. He could have done, he would have done great things and we don't get to see that. And that's really fucking shitty. We don't get to see the alternate universe where he's still alive. and He's still doing great things that we cannot even imagine right now. But you know what? Every day is that means that it's more of our responsibility to do those great things for him. And as best as we can, we're not going to do the great things for it. We're not going to do them as great as we can. Honestly, he'd probably be the best podcast producer we've ever seen. But like, you know what? Now you have to be the best the best podcast producer we've ever seen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: But but I, it's, you can't get down on yourself for feeling that. The what if, what if scenario. Because like, yeah. I don't play that of
1: game that. often. I just played it because like we're here. Yeah. And I'm no, confronting I'm glad you it. You need to play that game sometimes. But yeah, I guess that's. That's that. I play the
0: game all the time. I love what it is. You got you to gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta think about everything we've talked to you guys so much. I want to give you guys big hugs right now. Um And just hearing this is emotional for me because it brings up different things and thoughts that I have. But ultimately what you guys are saying, and we still haven't even finished is the fact that ultimately the perspective is what is the most important thing, the perspective of how we see and how we internalize and how we, Emotionalize the situations that happen, we can either say they're happening for us or um to us. And in the same thing, I think everything happens for a reason. I say it most times 10 times a day. I say everything happens for a reason. I say every day is a new day, and everything happens for a reason. And then I finish it off with
1: it Doesn't kill me, makes me
2: stronger.
0: Can I challenge that though? Like
2: strong. challenge
1: it. So yes.
0: I, I, had to, I had to put that I had to put that on my arm because in situations where I'm pretty strong, but also when we get vulnerable, we get vulnerable with ourselves because we could be strong. I mean, I know you're strong, Brandon, and I me, strong. I mean, I I mean, we allow, we allow that gate to open. That's where the healing starts to happen. That's where, that's where we really get to grow and see who it is that we're going to become. And I think I know the fact that from all these situations, you guys are going to be amazing dads. You guys are going to be amazing influencers in the Grandpa. world. Yeah. You already are. And we just take that and we say, okay, how can we live in somebody else's honor? I had a situation where, my former, uh, my former wife, her sister, and I called her my baby sister. I mean, we're still family. We're still friends, even though I say ex-wife. Um, I got a phone call from Tammy, who was my ex-wife, and she said, Tiffany passed away. And I was like, what the fuck? And T- I get chills. Jesus Christ. I'm, like, I'm going to cry. You cry. Right. She, was, she, was, she was 33 years old. Her three-year-old son found her dead. Um, You're good. Um, and then Tammy found her, and they were best friends and I was sitting there trying to process and I was I was Tiffany's coach and I kept telling her I'm like Tiffany you have to take care of yourself you have to take care of yourself she was overweight she had asthma she had heart issues and she was like no 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 Chris I have to take care of Kenneth that's her son and and I'm like no Tiffany you have to put yourself first you have to put yourself first and then all of a sudden I get this call from Tammy saying Tiffany passed away and I was just like like really, honestly, I was just like, What the fuck god really a thirty three year old mom who's taking care of a kid who's potentially autistic in the prime of her life she's trying to start this at home cooking thing, and you strike her down and you let her three year old son find you I was like, and I was so mad and I was so angry, and I was sitting there thinking and I went they had me do the eulogy at the church, which I was very honored to do, and I was driving home, and I was so emotional, I was so pissed off, and I was like. What could I have said to her? What could I have done? You know, should I have said, oh, we should do coaching in law. What things could I have done to prevent that? And God's honest truth. I was like, I'm going to go home and drink and I'm going to just like, you know, just get trashed. And and I'm like, that's how I process things. And I thought, and I sat there for this moment. It's a very poignant moment in my life. I was on the 91 freeway out here in Corona. I remember it vividly just approaching the 15. And I looked over at my empty seat and I looked over there and I'm like, I'm like, if she was sitting here right now, what would she say? And she would say, Chris, go home and do something productive. Don't go home and crash yourself. Go home and write a poem. Go home and call some friends. Go home and, and give this situation a deep perspective, you know, a deeper perspective and, and, and find a way to use this to help other people. Find a way to be a light through this situation. You know, still be in contact with Tammy. Still be an influencer in, in, in Kenneth's life. And, and from that situation, Tammy wound up taking on Kenneth and has raised him into a beautiful boy. He is, like, very autistic, but he's done a, she's done a phenomenal job going from being a solo solopreneur and doing all these things to taking on raising her sister's uh, son. She's done a phenomenal job. So from all these different situations, we can choose, you know, to find the light in that, choose to live in the honor of somebody, choose to carry on what it is their legacy was about. And that, for me, gives it a deeper meaning and a deeper purpose. And that's why I do these things. That's why I do what I do.
2: Yeah uh brandon you push back on something
0: i don't oh, know really yeah my, my,
2: my tattoo by the challenge
1: no it was the I forgot. but
2: i will say chris everything you say i do not challenge anything i think i agree with everything uh ken just wrote i love you and that's for thank everybody you. thank you ken i love you too uh i thank love you brandon i love you chris bro. and i love everybody watching this listening and uh tuning in right now um meaning I mean, you you say, I mean, I will challenge you on something. Everything, everything happens for a reason. Eh, That's
1: what I wanted to talk about. Like.
0: I can challenge that. I I don't need to do this. Let's get in a fight. Like for me,
1: I don't know, man. I will drive
0: to your house right now. I'll kick your ass. (laughs) No, you would kick my
2: ass. That's
0: true. Whose ass? I'll kick Brandon's ass easy. Now I'm old. I have a bad back. He's asking. Well, I don't
2: know if I buy
1: the whole reason shit. Well,
2: I've got something to say about it. So do you have something to say? Like,
1: it's like, why does there have to be a reason? I think sometimes, like, just like people are like, this is the new normal. Like, no, it's just this. It it just it is. is. It
2: is. It is what it is.
1: So it's like, like if I, and like, I didn't think about it so much with David because like I understood that me- medically there was like a, something medical that happened. He died in his sleep because of heart like heart's complications and he was an otherwise extremely healthy kid and it was an anomaly. Like my father passing away and if you want to talk about it we'll f- we'll talk about I it. I'd love to talk like, about it. Like if you I if live I spent the live time live if live. I spent like the time like dissecting every single like the reasons and the why's like cuz I've played that game for a minute and like a minute. Jeez. Sometimes like I just think maybe like you're right Chris like everything does happen for a reason. But I also think that we like shouldn't obsess ourselves with it.
0: No, I no. You find maybe you find that's it what maybe what that's where I it.
1: take issue with the statement. I like
0: said, well, think about the reason the think about the reason why we're here right now. You know, when you think about all the different situations, the tragedies and the setbacks and the and the depression and the the thoughts and everything that we've all had, we're all here sharing that and, and potentially impacting hundreds and thousands of people over the course of this podcast and the course of this video. That's the reason that's what I choose to find the reason because otherwise I would go absolutely bonkers trying to diagnose why certain things happen to little kids and why this happens and why yeah. that I just have to sit there and say, okay, from the reason from that is because that story is meant to make other people stronger. That story is meant to inspire yeah. people. Yeah. That meant, that story is meant to get people off of drugs. That story is just, I mean, it's just, that's <laughs> I, the reason I, I look I, at it. Otherwise I would go insane.
2: I'm going to go in the middle of you guys because like I always, I'm very diplomatic, and that's what I do. Um, and I'm going to say that like, Yeah, some things happen for a reason. Some things don't happen for a reason. But, like, maybe everything happens for a reason. Maybe nothing happens for a reason. But, like, the reason, there's no reason. Like, whatever you want to do that. Our job as individuals is whatever that something was, we have to find the reason. We have to make the reason, especially when there is no reason. When when We can't find the reason. When, 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 When my dad was murdered, there was no reason for it.
1: When you say like make reason, is it just like rationalize it in your head or is it beyond that?
2: It's beyond that. It's like, I have to find the good. And like my dad was murdered so that I could help people who's, who's, who have also had people die. And that's my reason why my dad died, which is not a reason that was, it was not the reason when it all happened, but like, I've had to spend eight years finding that reason. And that, and it's going to be the rest of my life is finding that reason. And sometimes that reason isn't good enough. Sometimes I'm still going to be really sad and cry myself to sleep. I grabbed myself to sleep two nights ago. It was great. It was very fun. Um, but also, but like in the long run, if I can say that I found enough reason in the reasonless, in the meaningless, then like that's all I can do. And that's what you got to just try. And sometimes you're going to find that reason. Sometimes you can't. Why did David die? I don't know. It's, it's definitely brought me and you closer as friends. Like I did not like you before. I could barely tolerate you. But now it's like I'm sitting in a room with you. I'm talking to you for an hour and 27 minutes. And, like, I don't hate you that much. Maybe that's the reason why David died. And, like, and that's really shitty because that means, like, David had to die so that me and Brandon could be a little bit closer. That's shitty. But you know what? Like, David would like that. He's sitting here right now. He's Mm -hmm. watching. He's listening. He would love to talk. The the things he would say. Hey, Hey, I didn't need
1: David to die to remain close with you over the years. I did. I would have kept running. I would have
2: kept running. Yeah. But no. All right. But that's, it's, 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 so it doesn't matter if the, there is a reason when things happen. All it, all it matters is like, it's up to you to find that reason and make, and if there is no reason, make that reason. And I guess, absolutely. I guess that's a fair point.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and just from what we've already shared, the viewers are probably, I'm sure on the edge of their seats trying to figure out what's going on and how everybody's doing, but there is still another key date in this thing we're talking about. brand side, there's. There's a few more on my side, too. So, Brandon, keep going. (laughs) Or do you want me
1: to take one? All right. I'll give you one more, but then I'm done. Um, And cry this time. Seriously cry. All right. Well, I don't think that'll happen. I think you got me once. You
2: said that before, but look at us now.
1: That's fair. No. (laughs) Crack me up. February 7th, 2018, one day after his 61st birthday, my father killed himself. He hung himself, and that was his second attempt the first attempt was two years before and some change and uh it was ironically enough the first time that my girlfriend now fiance met my father and um yeah that one was tough what's his name my father's name yeah it was ron milanowski and um i guess before i go too much into detail it's like that those situations were like a little different for me because like after I get gone through what I had gone through, like throughout high school, um, I just felt like in a, some like fucked up way that God had pre prepared me for like that situation. It was like, like it was literally like a let's go kind of deal. I mean, I was the one that found him, and like the f- primary focus of mine at the time was like shielding my mother from seeing that we didn't know if he was alive. I had to fucking I had to give my father a pulse check the first time to figure out if he was alive. And then, thank God, I got two more years with him. They were rough years for him, but we had some good times and I got two more. And I think, I think he, I think again, it was like holding true to his character. I think, I think he made that sacrifice for me because I, he knew I still really needed him
0: wow that is super super profound that's when i started started thinking thinking about that that is super profound brandon and just for the record for everybody um brandon is my my wife's cousin is that what the technical thing is
1: you're my brother
0: yeah so i have met i have met i've met your dad i've spent time with your dad and your mom i mean when i that's why i got emotional because i thought back to the i think the last time we went out um you know, we went and had drinks and it was just a great time. I used to love talking to your dad. We used to talk about sales. And so I know your dad. So I know, you know, some of the pain that he was going through and, and so those situations. So yeah, I just wanted to let the viewers know, like, you know, there's, there's a, there's a close tie in here because, you know, I knew, I knew your father and I know your mother and I know your brother. Um, I've been blessed to, to know you guys for a long time and do call you my brother. Um, and I do truly mean that because um, I watched you grow up, Brandon. And, I've, and we've said this off camera. I mean, I met you when you were like 15. Was it 15? It was, I
1: think it was a little, little younger,
0: younger than that. 13. I mean, I met in 13, and I met you, and I was just like, I was, I was really. It was so weird because I was just captivated by you had this charm, you had this confidence, you had this, you know, this this sparkle in your eye, like, and I and I kept telling people, I'm like, that guy's gonna do something. And at the time, I thought I was gonna be playing guitar, but obviously that it's did fine. not. Yeah, but, so. but you do have, but you do have guitars up on the wall. I think you're trying to copy me a little bit, so. <laughs> Uh, and you but but you know to know that relationship and to what you just said was so profound can you say that again because i just want the listeners to really absorb what you just said
3: which, which part, part
0: the part about him doing that dang, uh, dang um around. was was because you needed him that bad and it was kind of like a way like hey i need you to be strong and this is that this is this is going to be your life
1: to be honest with you i don't even know i knowing my father i like I feel very strongly that that was a conscious thought of his. I can't definitively tell you that it was, but I know the character of the man that I'm speaking to at this time. Um, and I don't think it was just me. I think my mom needed him. I think, I think they needed each other. I think that, I mean, my brothers having a baby soon, like he sure as hell could use him. He sure as hell could use dad right now. I'm. I'm looking to purchase a home right now. And I'm not,
2: I know all the details.
1: I don't have a ton of cash. Right. And I'm trying to figure it out. It sure would be, it sure would be nice to have it, my dad to talk to. Cause you always have people that help you, but with your father. And I know that this is tough for you. Cause like, you didn't grow up with that experience, but this is what I did. I, I was blessed with this. Right. And like, we butted heads, but like, that was like, that guy was always in my corner. He used to always say, who's your biggest fan? Even when we would get mad at each other. And I'd say like under my breath, like, fuck, like you dad. <laughs> but like, Chris, you have a pool, right? Like you ever been yeah. in the pool, like, or, you know, accidentally go in the pool with your shirt on and it gets super soaked. You get pushed into a pool mm-hmm. ever in your life and it's super soaked. Oh, and then you try sometimes. to get that, you try to get that shirt dry and you wring it out. and You keep on twisting, yeah. you keep on twisting, and you keep on twisting. And there's still like a couple more drops. Yep. I, I think that like, I think my dad was that wet shirt and he let me wring out all of the goodness that he had, all of the wisdom, all of the patience. And like, I'm still learning, but like, I think that he let me do that for him. Like he gave me that
2: that wet shirt.
1: He gave me that wet shirt, you know? And yeah, I, it's no. a weird, it's a weird example. Who pushed him in the water I'm, though? That's
2: the question. But another
1: day. I think he, I, I don't know. I think, I think, I think he jumped into the water. Yeah. Because he didn't have all the answers, but he jumped into the water because, like, he realized that you needed a shirt. Infer- yeah, he realized he realized that like he he had a, he didn't have a a dad that was there for him. He had a dad that told him to go push a broom at GM and had two jobs and said like I don't have time for this shit. Go do something else. There was no like, Dad, I need you. There was no like. There wasn't that. It was like it was. I'll say carrot or stick. And it was nothing in between. And it was like, seldom a carrot because there wasn't a carrot to give.
2: I'll say Mr. Malinowski, like to take it all back, circle all the, all the way back to sideline captains and those unity dinners. I talked about when the night before games, we would all get, eat dinner together and me and Peter would tell the other captains why they suck. Um, uh, those dinners, the the parent that everyone remembers being the most supportive and the most excited for us and the most eager was mr malinowski and every night and sometimes we'd have a bad practice sometimes we'd have a bad week sometimes we wouldn't really we'd be nervous for the game before at least not me because i didn't have to play so i don't worry about anything but mr malinowski was always the dad who was just down to like make sure we were ready for the game tomorrow and ready just for life it came down it's like because mm-hmm. he was it's way. it's like he wasn't teaching us about like how to be good football players, how to be good, good high schoolers. He was teaching us how to be good, good people, good men. And, and that's Mr. Malinowski in, in a wet shirt It's like, he had that wet shirt and he was giving us all of that, that wet shirt. And that's a lot of wetness to wring out of a wet shirt, but he, man, he kept jumping in that pool because he was doing it for us.
1: And I so. think like he didn't always have it. So he made it. Yeah. Or if he didn't, he didn't have the ability to make it. He created it for me, and I like what I mean by that is like, he wasn't able to play sports. He got me involved in every sport anytime I wanted. There was one sport I wanted to play that he he told me no to, and that was hockey because it was too expensive. But like, it was like okay, well like you can play hockey or you can play soccer and baseball, and I chose the latter. So like, he gave me everything, you know, and I mean that was both of my parents. So like, he can't take all the credit, but like men have a unique responsibility when it comes to raising men and
2: it's Malinowski also a beautiful person
1: and i I don't think it's as simple as like i don't think it's as simple as like showing up and give a shit giving a shit i think oftentimes in life you can get by on that and that's like the recipe show up and give a shit and like you'll be just fine i think it like took an extra level of like patience and nurturing and like you're gonna have to deal with that someday chris and like I'll tell you, I wasn't easy to raise. Terrible. So, like, be ready for that. But, like, I don't know. If you're a dad or if you have a dad, if you are a dad, like, give a shit. Be patient. Like, we might come around and do good things. If uh, you have a dad and he's worth a squad of piss, let him know it because I can't do that anymore. And that's, uh, that's about as much as I'll preach today.
2: Oh preach every day we're tired of your fucking gospel do you That's even like me know.
1: no i said that already
2: like you're really kind to
1: me God, off I air
0: it. i love it brandon brandon i know that i know brandon you want kids tanner do you want kids i am so excited for kids and if anything i'm
2: more excited for grandkids because that means that your kids have lived a good enough life to have the kids of their own plus you don't have to worry about all the trouble of being the parents so you get to just give them the candy <laughs> and the macaroni and cheese and the peanut butter and jelly so i'm very excited uh-huh. to
3: have the kids
2: Amen. Brandon, can, Ron's watching you. Ron's sitting with us too. He's sitting right next to Dave. He's sitting next to Bobby. He's sitting next to Jake. He's sitting next to all of them. And I believe not. I think, uh, because I also am dealing with with the fact that like, I don't have my dad anymore. And that's, and, and for a long time, I kind of just like accepted like, yeah, but if I'm going to think about that, that's just going to get me down. And it's going to be like, and, and there's no reason getting down on myself for something I can't change right now. But now more than ever, I realize like, I have to let myself feel how shitty it is that I don't get to tell my dad, like how good I'm doing and how well, how well I'm doing. And, and sometimes I just have to like force myself. If anything, I've had more conversations with my dad in these last few months than I have in eight years, because like, it's realizing like, whether he's
3: here or not, he's, he's with me. with me oh, yeah. and i i see him sitting next to me Hear him? i hear him yeah, yeah, yeah like, i hear my dad too it's not
1: i don't see him yeah so I, that's crazy i hear him like yeah like something will which way something will happen and like something will like fuck up my day and i'll be like i'm like a timex watch i take a licking and i keep on ticking and then like <laughs> is that like that was saying? something he used to say yes. or like When somebody like you have a good idea and somebody doesn't want it, like I'll just be like, well, you know what they say. You can lead a horse to water. And like those weren't things that he created, but those were things that he said. Or when he woke me up in the morning, he said like he woke me up in the morning and he was like every morning without fail. And like, yeah, I didn't have an alarm clock. I had a dad. (laughs) Top of the morning to ya! It's a great day. Sun's shining. Birds are chirping. Get up. (laughs)
3: that was my father
1: that was the guy that Mm -hmm. suffered from depression and like disillusion disorder if that's the right term i'm not quite sure i think it is yeah but that was my dad he was a fighter and
2: you still hear that now
1: oh i still hear it i still hear random shit like you know if like i want something and i'm not necessarily willing to like you know do what i have to do to get it like i can hear him say no ticky no washing Oh my god. Like just it. like stupid yeah. bullshit like that that sticks with me. You.
2: my dad never had a lot of sayings. Uh, suck it up, maybe. And my brother says that enough times. But do you uh, ever
1: do this? Sometimes I'll like make decisions specifically because I know my dad would be like, Don't, do, don't that. do that. Absolutely don't do that. And then he would like freak out thinking that like you're gonna fall on your face and end up back in my basement or something like that. Do you ever do things? <laughs> no, like I did I that was a good kid. I did that. I was a good kid. I did that with my truck. I got a nice new truck, great deal. Check out Westbourne Chrysler in Dearborn, Michael (laughs) Pupor. I got that nice truck. I quit my comfortable job that was going to, like, guarantee me, like, a life in the upper middle class if I just, like, stuck with the normal trajectory. And it was, like, very transparent the trajectory. But, like, I'm doing those things because, like, tell you opposite he didn't necessarily have the courage to do certain things but he gave me the courage to be like you can do anything you can fuck up but like you're brandon like that's what he put in me he's like you're brandon so like you will get up and you will go move forward
2: he he was scared to make the take the risks because he he needed to make a safe enough place for you to be the one to take the risk that's where he's living every day you're living through him every day those risks that if he had taken those risks, maybe he would have been great. But, like, that's putting risk in his son. I'm trying to buy a house during the COVID yeah, pandemic. Yeah, you're, you're insane. But, you know, what? Mm. I said, like, I have a couple dollars in my wallet. I'll help you if you need any help. I got, like, Save your money. $15. <laughs> um, but that's it. He, he did. Yeah, maybe he wasn't the one who took those risks. And maybe he would still tell you, don't take those risks. But he worked hard enough in his life so that you can be taking those risks. And he taught you enough in his, in, while he was with you to take those risks smartly and take them in the best way possible and that's that's you're, with you you're yeah talking.
1: and we haven't even talked about the fact that like the reason i can do those things yeah. in the first place it's because of the foundation right yeah
2: yeah he supports you
1: so those are the things i hold on to chris like mm-hmm. i don't have a dad anymore but like i have me neither. that that's funny i have that yeah and that like to me i'll go i'll go up against anything
2: mm-hmm.
1: i don't i don't want the challenge but like if, it's, if it comes, like, all right, I'll fuck with you. Let's
2: go. Put the gloves on. And that's Outside, what it's taught right on, me. You.
1: That's what it's okay. taught me. Like, honestly, like, if you're listening, God, please just don't hand me another tragedy in the near future. Like, I'll deal with it. I don't want to. No. Please right. don't. But, like, <laughs> that's what it, it think gave God me. God
2: gives a fuck about you, man, don't, don't. I think so. Don't hold your breath. It's a title of a song. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a. Uh, i i get because i'm every day i worry like is this the day that i'm gonna lose my brother like from one of these seizures and every day i think like fuck i'm gonna have to go through frig sorry mom i'm gonna have to go through another tragedy one day and like and tragedies are just gonna keep happening big or small they're gonna be just as shitty but Mm -hmm. we just gotta be ready for and do you
1: think that's like a good thing or a bad thing that like you and i like can look at each other confidently and like at this time like we can say like sure i've been surprised before but at this time like you can say i'm built for it
2: built for it. for a tough man i'm built for it mm-hmm. yeah no it's i don't know like great power comes great responsibility great tragedy comes great responsibility yeah we're 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 built for the tragedy now and, and we're in the middle of a giant tragedy like a global tragedy yeah. right now and we might not feel be feeling it ourselves as individuals if anything i'm feeling pretty pretty Better than I have in a while, so thank you, Corona. Uh, no, I take it back. That's very insensitive. Um, but but we're gonna keep going through tragedies, and and it sucks that I actually think about that is like it sucks that I have to be the stronger one in every situation because of everything that happened, and and I have to give myself the chance to feel how much that sucks and how shitty that is.
1: Yeah, but what I've asked myself sometimes is like, is anybody expecting that from us but ourselves?
0: Exactly. I was just thinking that very same thing. Ryan who's making that expectation you're placing that on yourself to be the hero when you know in some situations you need to be the person that needs to be consoled you need to be the person that that has the opportunity to let somebody else be the bigger person the stronger person because maybe that's what they need in their particular life and their journey right now I mean everything you guys have shared has just been so so fucking massive sorry mom um and you the depths of your souls the depths of who you become as men? I mean, geez, I'm 51, so I've got a lot of years on you. So, um, you guys know if you ever need advice, you know, I'm not gonna be a father figure, but that's for sure. But I'll be a big brother um, if you guys need anything. But just the massive growth in what you have shared in the last hour and 45 minutes, the the amount of intelligence and heart that you guys have shared here today is really astonishing i mean it's really given everything you guys have been through look at the the relationship you guys have formed look at us doing this right now and the impact that we're going to have in people i know there's going to be massive impact on this um you know i just want to say how proud i am of you guys and what an honor it is to be in your presence and to know i mean for brand at least i knew i knew i obviously know your mom Um, I knew your father, I know your brother. So, I mean, it's obviously personal, but seeing what you're accomplishing and seeing what you guys have done with the situations that have been laid before you, there's people that are in the corner right now crying because Netflix canceled a fucking show. I mean, how ridiculous is that? And you guys have experienced this. So I think what you were saying before is like, you know, is there going to be more tragedy? Of course there is. I mean, that's the thing that, that i that makes me stronger that keeps me going is the fact that i need to continue investing in myself i need to continue doing these things because it is making me stronger and god forbid you know something happens you know i look at it as a situation as i will survive i'm a thriver i'm a survivor whatever it is, is going to bring, you know, I mean, you get older, you start having thoughts about health, you know, all sorts of different things. You have a son now and it's like, okay, what's going to happen? I can't predict what's going to happen. And we started the show off with that. Like, what can you control? And what you can control is your reaction or your response. Thank, to you. You. Thank you. Thank you. That you can sit there and take a step back, take a step yeah. back, whether it's for a day for a month or six months or eight months or eight years, take a step back and sit there and look at the situation from a, a, a less emotional perspective. Side, I guess, and you know, God. putting the logical side on it in, in a way, and, and giving it a deeper meaning, and giving it um, a passion and a purpose to continue on. You guys are going to be phenomenal dads. I mean, phenomenal. I didn't have a dad, and I think I'm a pretty good dad. I think, um, I but did. you guys are going to be massive in in what it is that you're going to create with your with your children and the and the impact that they're going to have in their life. Um, what are some final thoughts? Because I know we've, I've kept you guys here forever, and I'm so grateful for everything. I mean, it's been an emotional time. I knew it was going to be an emotional time. Um, I thank you guys for bearing your soul, but what are, what are some, what are some like encapsulated thoughts for you on this discussion that we can leave the viewer with that they can, they can walk away with and go, okay, wow, I've been through some shit, but man, I'm going to shovel that shit out of my corner. And now I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this in our honor. What are some things that you could send off individually that can kind of encapsulate everything that you're about and, and help the viewer?
1: I want to go first. Cause I want you to bring it home for us. All right. It would only feel that right this way. Cause you've been so nice to me on our show today. So nice. Uh, (laughs) i love
0: you you
2: know i love you sometimes
1: (laughs) what i would encourage people because you talked about reacting right and like i think a knee-jerk um reaction for lack of a better term to someone saying like you know just react better to something is like well you don't know how i feel right that's an easy response um so i guess my thought is this when people say that it's not no at least if it's coming from someone like myself like I'm not telling you how to feel. I'll never tell anybody, like necessarily, like or I'll never try to tell anybody how to feel. But what I will say is that you have always have the choice on how to respond to those feelings. So like feel like shit. And like, you know, going back to, you know, you talked about when your friend passed away, like, and you drank, like, we did two. We did yeah. two. But yeah, we gave like and we did it at Sam's and like but we had the 24 hour rule, you know? And that's, that's something you learn in football too. Like, don't get too high. Don't get too down. You can do whatever you want based on the results of something for 24 hours. And then you got to get back to it and go to work. So I guess my thing is I would just encourage people to understand that, you know, accept the feelings that you're having, because if you're having those feelings, they're real, you should lean into it. But you always have the choice on how you respond to those feelings. So I'll love you for however you feel, and I'll love, for, you'll love you for however you react, but I think you'll feel better if you challenge yourself to respond to those adversities that we face in a, you know, a conquering mindset. Like, you know, I may not have everything that I need right now to get through, us, but, through this, but, like, I'll get there or I'll find it. I'll try I'll yeah. yeah, so that's my final thoughts.
0: Wow, thank you, Brandon. That's that's powerful. I wanna I wanna write that down and quote it out. Uh, thank Got you. All for that. up
2: in here, all up in here, transcript because yeah. their technology doesn't work over here. Shut up, it does. <laughs> it does. There, he's a very good podcast producer. Please go to Wave Media and get your podcast produced by. Sorry, Chris. What are you saying? Now it's your turn. My turn. Um, one, I did not get to talk about a lot of people. Uh, but I do want to give a special shout out to Jake Scanlon, um, my another date, November 11th, uh, who also died suddenly in his sleep while I was in college, and uh, wow. who also taught me much more about life than I like anybody else. Other than like all the other people that have died in my life, great guy, great family, good people. Um, Jake, love you. I'm glad you're sitting here with us, with David, with Dad, with Ron, with everybody. Um, uh, but 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 but. but um, Yeah, my, I'm not good with like being concise. I, a lot of people say I overcomplicate everything, uh, which I like to do do it, but so I'm going to try to keep this uh, short and sweet, but it's not going to work. I think I'm just going to circle back to what I said at the beginning of all of this is uh, in the middle of everything going on right now. Like we're all going through really hard spots and, and it's, this is not an easy time for anybody. Um, If anybody, if anything, it's, it's, it's uncertain. The future is uncertain. Nobody knows what, the other side of all this this pandemic this quarantine is gonna look like but we all know it's gonna look a lot, lot a little worse off than it was before but like we're gonna we're a society We're we're all humans and humans adapt and we're gonna figure out we're gonna make the best of it but we can't worry about that because it, going back to the beginning is we can't worry about the future all we can worry about is the right now right here and it's it's, it's just about being present and be present with however you feel again going off of what brandon said is like we cannot control our situation we cannot control others we can't control anything except how we feel about our current situation right now right here and
1: no we can't control how we feel but we can control how we react to it
2: we can control yeah we can control how we react to it and brandon it's a very good point. i'm glad that you're my friend um and uh whoa there it <laughs> is uh, look at that it took real it took 2 hours 2 hours no, it's only hour 51 um but but yeah we can only control how we feel and how we react uh to whatever the current situation is and the current situation is very not ideal um but it's more now more than ever important it's important now more than ever to be present in the current situation to feel and to be okay with how shitty it feels i'm not even going to apologize to mom for that one Cause it, this is really fucking shitty right now, and uh, but there's gonna be another side. We're gonna get through this, and all we can do right now is just be present, just exist, just be here, and just be comfortable. Whether you're and and life is just a wave. You're gonna be either on the highs or you're gonna be the lows, and the the tricky part is just riding the balance and just surfing right in the middle there. And I'm not a good surfer. And I, I Brandon's a good surfer. He got stung by yeah. a stingray. It's a terrible surfer, but he's probably better. He's better than me, but but life is a wave media and uh <laughs> it's gonna be either and there's gonna be highs that we're riding and, and eventually those highs are gonna go crash down into the lows again here I'll do on the video lows and and it's the challenge is gonna be just finding the center and being being careful on that surfboard and just riding through it and being okay with wherever we are like a couple nights ago i was crying myself to sleep because you know what sometimes you have to cry yourself to sleep but like I cried myself to sleep knowing that I'm going to wake up tomorrow and tomorrow's a new day and I'm going to feel better. And, I'm, and maybe I don't feel better. Maybe I still feel shitty. But like eventually I'm going to feel better. And then once I feel better, eventually I'm going to feel worse. And then eventually I'm going to feel better and eventually worse and better. Sometimes it'll go better, 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 better. And then it's going to go worse, 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 worse. But like all I can do right now is just be here. Just be present. Just, just be here. Just be here. Just be here. da 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 da, da. That just be here. That, that have that, you
1: seen? That, 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 have you seen a dog's purpose? Uh, no. A dog's purpose. Dogs. So yeah, I know. Oh,
0: I right. will yeah. I, I, I love I've love avoided that. that movie. So basically, purpose.
1: like a dog's purpose, purpose. I'm not gonna like tell you anything oh. about the movie, but the dog's entire movie, like the entire movie, is basically this dog trying to figure out the meaning of life. And I'll tell you, he finally that figures.
3: That yeah, that's correct.
1: Great. So at the end of the I'm movie, sorry, at saying, the I'm end of the movie, the uh. The dog finally figures out that uh, the meaning of life is to be here now.
2: Told you. Yep. You don't have to watch a whole movie. You know, just listen. Mic drop. Just Mic be here. Drop. And it's, I'd say especially right now, it's more difficult than ever uh, to just be here because we have distractions everywhere. The news, our phones, other people, uh, sickness, um, trying to get the best score on Club Penguin. And it's just like so many, so many things that distract us. From just being with ourselves, and if anything, it's it's even more difficult just to be with ourselves because nobody really likes themselves, really, down. But so it's a journey to liking yourself and loving yourself eventually. And I'm on that journey, and I'm not all the way there yet. But like, it's gonna. I'm enjoying the journey, and and it's just about taking away all of the distractions of life and just being here with yourself so that you can love yourself. And that's a very difficult journey. That's a very very hard thing to do. and it's not, it's, you're not always gonna love yourself. You're gonna get down on yourself, but like, but you're stuck with yourself for whenever you die. So you might as well learn to li- live with them or her uh, or them. <laughs> um, and so just be here, just be here. That's yeah, just be here.
0: Powerful, powerful. Well, I can, I can keep talking to you guys for another six hours, but uh, I, I personally have to go pee. I imagine 10 hours I have to, to go, go pee too. I think Brandon already went. Yeah, did um, at the hour mark. Yeah.
2: These damn um, White Claws.
0: Jeez Louise. Wow. Um, you know what? I, I love the conversation. I love hanging out with you guys. I can't wait until we can do it in person. I would love to do it. Um, speaking of passing away, we know that uh, somebody in our family, Uncle Ken, uh, recently passed away. And uh, I just, we, we made the decision due to COVID and everything else that I'm not going to come out there to the, to the funeral. So I'm not going to get a chance to see you this time, but um, you know, soon in our travels, will hook up and we'll cross paths. I know Tanner, you live out here in LA. So anytime when you're out here, hit me up and we'll go, go area. out a few drinks and, and, and chop it's it up. And if you guys ever ever need funeral, anything run. you guys ever need anything. You guys need some advice. You need somebody to talk to um, vent to whatever it might be. My, my heart, my door is always open. My phone's always open for you guys. I absolutely love you guys to death and really thank you for being so, so transparent so authentic so vulnerable when so many people are trying to put on a mask they're trying to be this they're trying to be that they're trying to be all this other crap and uh i just want to personally thank you guys so much i'm going to put you guys in the in the back room for a second step like just so i can uh, just so i can close out the show a little bit without uh, hopefully uh, tearing up but uh, i want to say i love you guys and i thank you guys hang around brother and um you guys can see this wow for the first time in my life i need a minute to wrap up the show because um very emotional very uh very emotional for me um dealing with the things that i've dealt with in my life and um just so proud of what the human spirit is capable of you know if you're watching this and you've watched this until this point we've obviously captivated your heart we've actually obviously kept your your mind intrigued and your heart and your soul um, as a part of this conversation this this amazing conversation that was totally authentic it was totally just from the heart um, designed you know to take our pain take the situations that we've been faced with especially these two gentlemen um, and 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 make a determination that we're not going to be a victim of that situation that we're going to live in people's honors that we're going to do our best and bust our ass to get out of whatever it is that's not serving us. So many of people are out there and they're victimizing themselves. They're sabotaging themselves. I just did a coaching call yesterday and I told the lady, I said, why are you punishing yourself? And just that simple statement, she's like, and I heard her crying. And she, and I said, why are you punishing yourself? I don't know. And I said, well, are you doing things you don't wanna do? And she says, yeah. And I said, in the tone of Bob Newhart, stop it. If you're hanging around people you don't like, stop it. If you're not going where you wanna go, stop it. Is there going to be fear? Is there going to be uncertainty? Is there going to be unpredictability? Yes, but that is why we are alive. We are here having this human existence to have these emotions, to have these experiences, to grow our soul, to move us forward in life. You know, whether that's going to be without somebody that was previous in our life or not, but like these guys said, and I've said it, you guys know it, all my Facebook posts, everything says hashtag moments. Because in my last two years of my journey, going through hell, going through depression again, and fighting all sorts of different things, having my identity ripped apart from me from losing my job, all these different aspects, becoming a dad, I mean, you name it, you name it, you name it. Um, The one thing we have is the moment. And I think that's why they call it the present, you know, because it is a present. And so many of us tend to take for granted the present. Like people are talking about how good it is to go out and have a meal in public. You know, the things that we take for granted, I I talk to people all the time and they say, you know what, Uh, life sucks and da-da-da-da-da-da and everything's shit and the news and da-da-da. I'm like, well, number one, you're focusing in the wrong area because, by the way, did you happen to go into a room in your house today and turn a faucet and have hot streaming water come out of the fucking wall and you had a hot shower? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, isn't that pretty cool? isn't that really awesome? Isn't it great that you're able to turn your phone on and get news and have conversations with people? Yeah. Isn't it great to get in and turn a key and actually drive anywhere you want to go? Yeah. I'm like, life is pretty fucking cool. Quit focusing on the shit that you can't control. Start focusing on the moment, start making yourself, improving yourself and growing yourself and listening to your heart not listening to all the other outside influences or who are actually trying to drag you down, who are trying to hold you back because of their own scarcity, their own mindset. These two guys have taken the situations that have happened in their life that otherwise would cripple most people because they have just like, oh my God, and they have taken it and look what they're doing with their lives. They're continuing on. They're making impacts in other places. They're sharing their stories here. So I just invite you guys, and I just want to thank you guys for watching this to this end. Um, just believe in yourself. Have faith. Continue to focus on growth. Don't focus on the things that you can't control. Don't spend more time watching the news than you do watching a YouTube video that can grow your mindset start making wise investments and the results that are going to happen out of that are going to take you to the places that you want to go. But if you continue doing what you've always done, you're going to continue to get what you've always got. And just uh, from me to you guys, I love you guys. Thank you, Kick-Ass Nation. Thank you, Misfits for Life. Thank you for watching this extended Major um, impactful show here with us, uh, the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush and the guests, uh, Brandon and Tanner. Um, thank you guys all. I hope you have an awesome night and we want to hear from you. So send us an email, Christopher at ChristopherRausch.com or hit me up on Facebook, hit me up on social media. Let me know how this impacted you um, because we want to know, we want to continue the conversation and whatever we can do to support you and your situation, of course, reach out to us. That's what we're here for. All right, I love you guys. Peace. See you next time. bam can't hear myself what's up hey all right guys so that is it thank you so much um, sorry about the technical difficulties in the beginning but uh, I love you guys all I, it, the words have already been said so thank you all for being here thank you all for sharing this um, for hanging in and sharing your hearts and sharing your souls um, supporting the Cipriano family supporting Brandon um, supporting this show and what we mean to bring you guys you know the real deal in forms of inspiration, motivation, education, things of that nature. So much love to you guys all, um, and please share this broadcast out. Please, again, uh, consider what you can for the Cipriano Fund to help uh, Salvatore's uh, medical expenses. That would be huge. Please tell me about that so I can give you a gift in return. Um, Much love. Take care of each other, and uh, let's be a part of the solution, not be part of the problem. And uh, as always, stay kick-ass and stay unstoppable. I love you guys. Peace.